Shut up and sit down. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, our topic is the unsubtle fuck you, um, because sometimes you just want to watch the world burn. Um, we're going to do a plot drift. Um, we're going to pick out our favorite characters who like to set shit on fire and um, see where it takes us. Do I have favorite characters? That, I mean, there are characters that I think need to set shit on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Deadpool sets everything on fire. Is it that's everything? Default, that's like his default setting. Um, but I would say, you know, for reference, that Unleash Your Demons is a very subtle fuck you. Yes. From the moment he lands back in time, he is sending fuck you vibes to, to Nick Fury and to Thanos. <laughs> it's just yes. like he's sending and it out into the universe. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> and we have a subtle fuck you plot drift, too. But we decided tonight was going to be the unsubtle one. Right. Um, now, And an unsubtle fuck you in my catalog would definitely be Darkly Loyal. <laughs> well, that uh, that's <laughs> the least subtle fuck you ever. <laughs> there um, is nothing subtle about that. <laughs> the picture people in volcanoes. <laughs> um... The characters I think, the three characters that I ever work with, well, the three that most need to deliver, most deserve to deliver an unsubtle fuck you are the two Tonys and Harry Potter. Harry um, Potter needs to be the king of the unsubtle fuck you. I just, yeah. But you know who I think really deserves an opportunity to give the world an unsubtle fuck you? Derek Hale. Oh, that would be nice. He he doesn't really have the disposition to do it. I could see Styles doing it on his behalf. Yeah. But Derek is honestly, in in a weird way, I honest I almost think he's too nice to do the unsubtle fuck you. I, it's weird because for as grumpy as he was in canon in many cases, he wasn't ever really about just really sticking it to people. And really, he definitely people the world it, earned it. it. it is it is it honor or nice? Is it is it about personal honor and, and dignity versus just being a nice person? I'm not really sure if it was either. I think maybe it was um, that he was just that broken. Mm. Um, well, what do you have to do to push a character like that to the point where they set shit on fire or someone they care about? Yeah, but somebody's already done that to Derek Hale, and it wasn't enough. Well, but okay, I think that the, the I think the family thing that was just like a huge loss, right? So if you set his family aside, that's that's overshadowed shadowed by grief. There's the whole fear thing, and I probably also all depends upon who's doing the hurting. But um, so the next candidate would be Peter when he killed 
Laura, but it's my headcanon that Derek on some level understands why Peter did that. Also, Derek did kill Peter. So, you know. Yeah. And that wasn't subtle. Um, but I don't think he would have killed. I honestly don't think he would have. I don't think he killed Peter because of Kate, because of Laura. I think he killed Peter because Peter had gone off the rails. And he was a risk. So so he killed Peter for Peter. That was, that's the way I look at it, yeah. But, I mean, I think that their whole world is is built around, if they want to be safe from hunters, they have to police themselves, right? And Derek had to have been grown, had to have grown up with that mentality. And Peter was bringing attention. More, I mean, I, I don't think Derek wanted to see anybody get hurt on top of everything else. But Peter was drawing the attention of the hunters. Even the good ones, right? Like, it, assuming ostensibly Chris and Victoria were supposed to be the good hunters, right? That they have this code that they abide by, but they drew the, their attention. Peter drew their attention with the people he was killing. So I said ostensibly, you know, I had my out claws. Um, I think the sheriff has the has the potential to set shit on fire. Oh, I definitely. think um, Styles definitely for does. his son. Well, yeah, Styles has it in his bones. <laughs> I, was, I, don't even, I don't even think you have to push Styles very hard. No, you don't. <laughs> Can't improve that. <laughs> but back to your list, risk a little bit. What your list? I I totally believe that of all the characters that I write, um, that yeah, Harry Potter deserves to set the world on fire. There are times when I think that um, there are moments in canon when I think that Rodney deserves also to deliver an unsubtle fuck you. Um, I think post-Trinity. Mm-hmm. Double bird as he walked through the gate back to Earth. Fuck you all. Good luck. I hope it doesn't hurt too much when the wraith eat you. And yes, I am holding up both fingers. <laughs> I've only watched um, the episode once because it was so infuriating that I could. <laughs> I was. <laughs> there are like two or three episodes in, in Atlantis that I have only watched once. Um, Trinity, conversion. And the one with Hoff. Because they were so off-putting. Speaking of conversion. Estefi. If I'm saying that right. Is, is that how you say it? That's how I say it. I hope that's how you say it sweetheart. She does listen to the podcast. Because she responded on CastBox. And said that Carson actually is responsible. For John being turned into a bug. That that was his retrovirus. On the planet that the the. the Wraith Queen got a hold of. And then she scratched John. Um, and so it is absolutely 100% Carson's fault. Because we Lady Holder and I had talked about it and we couldn't uh, we couldn't figure out we we talked about the various ways that that thing had come out. I mean, we, we weren't sure that Carson was specifically to blame for that aspect. But he is in fact is. He he is. So I think John oh, John would set shit on fire, but not for himself. 
Trandy's the one with Actaris where Elizabeth Weir yells at Rodney like he's a child. When when he blows up two thirds of a solar system. I mean that episode in particular, I felt like Rodney would have been really justified in the unsubtle fuck you. Um the episode where um those first couple episodes where uh Marshall Sumner died. Uh, I think John could have delivered an unsubtle fuck you to Elizabeth by taking over the expedition because to me, I really did feel like Elizabeth's hesitation probably cost Sumner his life. I agree. I mean, John, John, it was literally, we're talking matter of like a minute. A minute could have made a difference in whether or not he lived or died. And she delayed a lot longer than a minute thinking about it. So um, I wouldn't, I would never be mad about a story where, where John said, no, I don't think so. You are not fit to sit in that chair and lead this expedition. I'm taking command. And he could actually, you know, if he felt like he needed to be sure, I mean, I would, I actually would think it's my head canon that the expedition charter should give him the authority to take control of the command of the expedition, considering the circumstances they found themselves in. But if he needed to be sure that he had support, he could just talk to all, whatever, whoever the most senior Marines are on the city. Not that, that anybody was very senior and um, tell them, look, she cost Sumner his life. Yes. I'm the one who shot him, but he wanted, he, you know, I don't. Th I think anybody military in those circumstances would have wanted what happened. Would have wanted what John did to happen, so he could just say, "Look, her hesitation to act in a tactical situation because she doesn't have the experience got um, cost him his life, and she's not fit to lead the expedition. And I'm going to, you know, act on the expedition charter and take command. And she's probably going to try to divide us, and you need to be prepared for that. And I think that any other military would totally back him up." Even if they did just see John as the light switch, right? Which you see often in fanfic that P John's early perception by the Marines was that he was just brought along to placate, you know, play light switch and placate the science officers, the science corps. So, right. I don't think any Marine would want to, would want her in charge, but I still think that he would reasonably have that discussion with them ahead of just going in and seizing command. This is where we are, and this is how we got here. And if we were totally doing angst bingo instead of fluff bingo, I would totally write that meeting. <laughs> you know, I think I'd want to write it from a different point of view. I think I'd want to write it from Bates' point of view and have Bates point it out, you know? Um, just, just step foot into John's office and say, can we talk? Off the record? No rank? I think it'd make John nervous, but I think he'd say yes. And I'm like, have you read the charter? Do you know that you should be in charge? Do you? Why are you hesitating? Because I think if John's, I think John's hesitation played into how the other marine, the Marines, and specifically Bates, felt about him. Um, not so much that he. That he, that he did what he did for Marshall Sumner because I agree that none of them would have wanted to be in Marshall Sumner's shoes and not get that mercy shot. 
Because none of them would want to betray their home planet that way. You know? Mm-hmm. And he did go down there and kill that queen extra fucking hard. Afterward. Mm-hmm. So, I think if Bates approached Shepard and said, you know, we got your back. Because she didn't have his. And she won't have ours. And she won't have yours. And we've already lost enough. And when... If I were military and I were in that kind of situation, I would want to know that whoever was in charge was not going to let diplomacy get in the way of saving my life as much as possible. Right? Okay, I'll ask, I'm going to answer a question. Um, so someone asked in the chat room, did they not see his record? No, they didn't. They saw none of his record because he's an officer and Ford was the only other officer there, there was a there was another lieutenant that ends up getting killed during the Nanai incident. So there's two lieutenants on the um on the city with Shepard and Marshall Sumner. Everybody else, they're enlisted. So a few officers, yeah. That's a that that's a question. But it is weird they sent them out there with so few so, so few commissioned officers. Now there were some NCOs. Bates yeah, because Bates was an NCO. But yeah. um yeah, I mean there was a rumor mill, but none of those none of those Marines on that on that on that city had actually read Shepard's file. They had no right to they had, they had no, no idea what was in it. They just had rumor. Probably rumor that Sumner didn't care for him or didn't want him on the expedition. That's the most that they could possibly know. Realistically, Bates would not make anybody, especially a civilian, hack into military records. Bates was a Marine. Full stop. And having a civilian hack military records is totally, like, it's, it's just completely, no, he would not, under any no, circumstances, do shit especially, like that. Especially not that point in canon. Um, I mean, because you could argue that things got a little looser. No, it's not for it either. The thing is that that was so early on, and and these were especially so many of these guys were fresh faced Marines, right? So many of them. Ford was really he was a very junior officer um, who didn't have a whole lot of experience, and none of them. And Bates remained by the book for a long time. And more to the so, point. The likelihood that all, that every bit of their military records made it into a database that ended up on the city at that point during the first season is really super unrealistic. I think that at most, I mean, when you look at what they had to carry with them, how much of, how much room did they leave for that kind of data? I'm sure they had plenty of room for data, actually. And actually, considering how few, how little military contingent they had, the complete personnel record of all of the military people would not have been that much actual data space. Um, a few couple of megabytes. Because they wouldn't have taken any images or anything like that, right? So it would have all been just words. Type, just words. But I, I mean, the question is, would they have taken everything? I don't even. And they certainly know. wouldn't have had access to Sumner or John's, any of the officers. They wouldn't have. Had, it's probably Marshall Sumner probably had it, 
it was either on a flash drive or a hard drive. I would agree with that. Um, I don't know what Weir would have had access to, but probably not the full records of every military asset on the base. I don't think she'd have had much at all other than rank. Um, probably time and service years with the ex years with the SGC. I mean, basic information because she was education. She, yeah, she wouldn't have been responsible for duty rosters and stuff. So there wouldn't have been any reason for her to have even that much visibility into what even their skill sets were. Well, the fact that the second ranking officer on the city was not in the command structure is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, and the they only had four, they had four officers basically. I think one dies during the Nanai incident, which is later on. Um, so they had Sumner, Shepard, Ford, Lieutenant, whatever. Um, it just and, doesn't make sense. And Shepard was seconded to Weir and was outside the command structure. Are you fucking serious? Just saying. Yeah, it just, it was, it, there was so nothing that made sense about how they set the military on the expedition. But if you're going to go with, with, with what Cannon gave you, then, now it is my, I, I wrote it in a story that John tried to get command, uh, tried to take over the exp expedition, and we're basically used the antipathy between John and Sumner as basically a threat the marines don't like you they're not going to side with you over me and john didn't feel like he could afford to take the risk on pushing it so he didn't at that time i think that a more interesting angle on that situation would be i mean if the charter didn't allow for it to be outside of emergency situations and we're fought it i think that the a really interesting angle to take would be the civilians doing a um, a no confidence vote against her. Maybe even having a tribunal where she has to answer for her decision, her decisions and her arguments that day that got Marshall Sumner killed. And just to highlight her inexperience with what she's being, you know, put into, and the civilians replacing her. Well, no, the 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 second ranking civilian on the city is McKay. That could be an interesting angle. I think that it would be, especially since it'd be early. Even Groydon answers to McKay when it comes to scientific matters. He is second-ranking citizen. I mean, a uh, citizen, but the, the second-ranking civilian on the city. I think that, and I think because a no-confidence vote over Sumner would occur so early in the canon that I think the civilians would have some probably, this, to me, being realistic, would probably have some harsh things to say to Shepard on the whole subject. Um, such as, um, we're doing this because you didn't, um, the military doesn't have confidence in you because Marshall, some, they decided, and they could even like try to play devil's advocate. They put you outside of the command structure initially. And so you're not technically in the chain of command, even though you have the most military experience on the base and you're this ranking officer, the, the Marines don't know you. And so there's a disconnect in the military that we're not comfortable with. There are people who eat us and we've got a leader who get, got our, our, our military leader who we needed killed. So how do we reconcile this? How do we all get along and survive this whole 
mess because she's not going to be in charge and we're not sure how you even feel about being in charge. Fuck it. McKay's in charge and you literally brought this shit on yourself. We're not even sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, but then McKay would be like, um, fuck you all. Fuck you all. Fuck you all. And I think McKay would be, um, would, would pull John aside and go, look, I don't want to be in charge of this shit. Do you see what you've done? You need to go get along with the Marines. <laughs> go buddy eyes, kill something. Because I am not going to be in charge of this shit show. I will do it until you get your house in order. And then we're going to enact the emergency protocols in the expedition charter. And you're going to be in charge. So just, I'm giving you like a week. <laughs> you need to man the fuck up, Shepard. Because so I, I am not prepared for this shit show. Right, he'd be like, I can do it. I have no desire to do it. <laughs> so that would be like, that would be all the civilians on Atlantis giving Elizabeth Weir the unsubtle fuck you. We are showing you the door. And then Roddy's there's nothing like, subtle about McKay. And then they and then they, and then they put McKay in charge and go and then he goes, "Okay, now what?" And they go, "Well, we need to decide what we're going to do about Elizabeth." And he's like, "Fuck all you bitches. <laughs> Why do I have to make this decision because you're in charge? But you guys did that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what Gobby needed right there. Somebody just posted in the chat room for those of you who are on the podcast uh, with that picture of Dobby from the Harry Potter movies holding a, a nine millimeter, saying, and, it, and the caption says, "Master has Master gave Dobby a Glock." <laughs> and for those, I'm gonna, I'll go put it in the podcast link library because you know, <laughs> just for future reference. <laughs> I have noticed that sometimes something will happen in the chat room that we'll both respond to. I, I've been um, going through podcasts and editing them and stuff, and it won't get explained, and it'll be like this weird hole. Yeah, I was like, what? Huh? <laughs> well, it's like when, that, like when that one person, bless her heart, in the chat room suggested we do something with Twilight, and we were both so horrified that we were like, we couldn't even say it. <laughs> we're both like, no, 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 go get in the corner. <laughs> Yeah, it was do a crossover with Twilight or something like that. We're like, oh. And we both just kind of, I think my brain froze and I just, and then my mouth was like, uh, uh, <laughs> go get in the corner. <laughs> so there was like this gaping hole of silence for like 20 seconds. And they were both like, no, no, get in the corner. <laughs> it made no sense. <laughs> yeah, it made sense to the people in the chat room, but it didn't make any sense to anybody listening. <laughs> I can get werewolves anywhere. I don't need to get them from fucking Twilight. Because <laughs> I mean, if you're going to Twilight, the problem is you've now introduced world building where there's sparkly vampires. Not to mention Which venomous. I cannot tolerate. Not to mention the venomous vampires. What? They're, what? They're venomous? Yeah, yeah. They don't. For fuck's sake. Yeah, when they bite. Um, they inject this, this venom. So it's not the typical turning. She was trying to be original. And so she, it's this, this horribly excruciating, painful process. Like if you if you survive the poison, I think that's how it worked, right? Um, if you survive this venomous bite that is agonizingly painful, that then you become a vampire or something like that. I don't know. It's like the, the, the bite venom 
was just so weird. So these vampires could not feed on humans without killing them. Not really. Yeah, they That is a horrific piece of world building, Stephanie Meyer. Shame on you. <laughs> but only if you if you drained you die. But I thought that I thought that not everybody could survive how painful. Um and I thought the sparkling part was the horrible part. Oh no, the great right. insanity. I just, it, it gets better and better. Is that why Edward was a vegetarian? Um, uh, could be. <laughs> but let's not. I'm not trying to pick on Twilight. I've never actually read it. I've I've never watched the movies. Um, I watched ten minutes of the first movie and wanted to kill Bella, so um, I I turned it off and um. Well, I had a friend who was like, well, I saw, she's still a friend. We survived the Twilight thing. Um, and she's like five years older than I am, right? So she's like 51 now, right? So do the math on how old she was when, when the Twilight movies came out. Not the books, the movies. And when they were released to DVD, she's like, have you, have you read Twilight? I'm like, no. She says, have you seen, so you haven't seen the movie? I'm like, I don't, at that point, I didn't even know what it was. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's how out of touch I was with with what was popular in the world at that point in time. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so she had me come over to her house. And she's like, we're going to do a movie marathon, but you got to read the first book first. I was like, okay. I mean, I, I, I could read a novel in an afternoon. That wasn't a big deal, right? So I buy Twilight. And I read it before I'm going to go over to her house that evening. I read the she first you book. you buy it? She could at least let you borrow it. <laughs> she could she could have, and I really wish she had. So I go over to her house, and... um. She says, what do you think? What do you think? We're going to watch a movie. I go, well, is, is, the, is the movie got as much stalking in it as the, you know, of underage girls as the book did? And she just kind of, she kind of like, kind of like, like what? I was like, stalking? You know? Like, she goes, well, no, he was just really fixated on her because of the stuff you don't find out until the third, the third book. And I was like, stalking? I don't care why he's fixated. Stalkers always have a reason. Um... But yeah. Well, the one thing that stuck out for me, I was reading um, something about um, the uh, the consent issues in Twilight, and um, the author pointed out a section where Bella had had a dust up basically with Jacob, and he kissed her against her will or something, and she hit him and actually hurt her hand hitting him, and when she told her dad, her dad told him to keep it up because he didn't want her with Edward. Or something like that. I remember reading that and thinking to myself, oh my fucking god. This is what girls are reading? So yeah, I'm not making such a face. I, I can't even. I mean, I don't remember. If that was in the first book, I don't remember it. But um, there was just so much weird going on in the first book. I was like, I, I mean, for me, it was like this was not a romance type thing that was geared towards someone who was to me, this was my thought at the time, okay? If you're feeling judged, don't. This is just my thought, all right? Is this is not a romance geared towards adults because this is not anything that makes any kind of sense in terms of romantic progression. Um, it just, the whole relationship dynamic is creepy. And my and I couldn't figure out why this, you know, all these old vampires, right, are reliving life over and over and over again as fucking high schoolers. I mean... Because they're pedophiles. To... Or is that epiphilia? Epipophilia. Um... Which is not considered, as long as somebody is over, I think, what is it, 16 or so? It's not considered a true philia. 
but uh, it, it, you know, still, it, it's not, it's not, it's not diagnostic in, in any case. Um, once somebody is fully it's sexually still, mature, it's still it's gross. Yes, fuck. I said it. But, <laughs> gotten all Abby on us, but it just, it was just so. Mm, I mean, and Jacob didn't always like behave well because I did see the first three movies with her. I stopped reading the books. I was like, I can't. This is just the books are much worse um, for me, you know, because I just I didn't find the the relationship dynamics to be healthy, and uh, it, it's I don't I don't want to read about unhealthy relationship dynamics. I can I can read that for free in fan fiction if I want to. I mean, you can find unhealthy re- relationship dynamics all over the place. So. Well, I don't want to pay. Is when an adult when an adult finds a teenager sexually attractive. So fifteen's right around the right age for that. Yeah, uh, pedophilia is un- before puberty. Um, hebophilia is uh, puberty at post puberty, but before full sexual maturity. And then epibophilia is when it's they're fully they're sexually mature but still underage. Ish. And then that, it's more of a, a fetish about dominance than than anything else, I think personally. So that is a um, um, please don't you know you don't you don't need to write me and correct me about my exact definition. That's approximately it. Okay, is if someone is prepubescent, it's pedophilia. If they're if they've hit puberty but they're not fully sexually mature, it's hebophilia. And if they're basically sexually mature, they you know they're fully developed but they're underage, it's epibophilia. And the last one is not considered a diagnostic thing. Because it's not considered a mental dysfunction. It's not considered aberrant in any fashion to, regardless of what society says, in terms of mental health diagnostics, it's not considered aberrant to find somebody who's sexually mature, desirable, but society says they're underage, so it's not kosher. Of course it's not kosher. And frankly, considering how old those vampires were, she needed to be like 30. So... Right. You know, it, whatever. It's creepy as fuck. But when you're when you're a kid when you're a young adult or when you're a teenager or whatever, and this is what you're reading, this stuff can come across very differently than it does to an adult, right? Who reads that and goes, Oh my god, stalker much? Um so still I wish people were writing things for young adults and for teenagers who that that displayed good boundaries, you know, uh, parents being appropriately protective that didn't have stalkery behavior in their relationships, that didn't have non-consensual touching that was rewarded. I mean, right. I, I would prefer to see that, but what I can say is, it is in my mind, one of the reasons why these, these books were as successful as they were is because they were marketed at a group of people who were not, um, at, who are not old enough to know that this behavior is completely not cool, right? So, I uh, most uh, mo- I, I would say most I hope adults don't romanticize stalking, but I might be wrong about that. So, someone's in the chat room that kids didn't necessarily equate Harry Potter with abuse. Um, there isn't a single kid in my life who didn't recognize that Harry Potter was being abused. The problem is, is that most of them thought it was normal within the scheme of the book. Because a lot of those books 
geared towards kids of that age. Harry Potter, um, a series of unfortunate events, um, uh, his dark materials, uh, the Narnia books. They all feature children who are neglected or abused in some fashion or another. It's a really prominent theme in, in um, YA. I mean, and even, I mean, if you look at Disney, Disney, <laughs> you know, Snow White's like 12, right? Mm hmm. Well, yeah, it's, it's true, though. There's a lot of kids' stuff and YA stuff that do feature, as somebody says, abuse and neglect. Very true. Um, but there, I think that there, it would be, and, and those themes resonate with kids probably for a, a lot of reasons. Probably with with kids who have been neglected or abused, of which there are many more than there should be, resonate because they identify with these kids. And maybe some kids that recognize it for what it is, but other kids see them as the underdog or as somebody needing rescuing, or they see them as sympathetic figures, whatever. But also one of the reasons why I think authors do it is because it's it's easier to get a, take a kid who's neglected or abused and get them to go on a bizarre crazy adventure that a kid with a with a functional supportive parent would is not going to get involved in right they're going to tell their parents that's the way that works so it is a plot device we see it a lot because it's a plot device that works in terms of for the internal motivators of the character but when it comes to when you're starting to hit that ya range as opposed to more like kids books right is where i you know some of these themes start to become troubling like when you when you present stalking as romantic or where non-consensual um touching where body autonomy isn't isn't honored and that kind of thing uh, you know these are these are minds they're not these are brains that are not fully developed right taking this stuff on board as being a, a good thing, as being romantic, as being cool. And <sighs> it's really not. It's and, really, really not. And yes, there are adult books that do it too. I mean, do we need to talk about the bodice rippers from the 80s that presented all kinds of horrible things to adult women as being romantic? But it doesn't mean it's okay. So at some point, we have to kind of say, I'm not going to read know, that kind of I thing. You know, I was actually... When I read, um, I started reading, and I came across um, some of the uh, more adult versions of Sleeping Beauty, I was actually relieved that in Disney, she at least knew him. And she, you know, danced with him in the woods. And they had a little Once Upon a Dream thing. Because the... <sighs> Holy shit. Oh, yeah, the fairy tale? <laughs> The fairy right? tale of a fucking nightmare. I was like, what? What? Yeah. I was relieved to go back to Disney <laughs> after that. I was like, yeah, once upon a dream. <laughs> go, Prince Philip. It'll be okay. Kill the dragon. <laughs> uh, yeah, in the original Sleeping Beauty, she um, um, she is cursed. And um, the... Uh, uh, a man comes along and um she uh, and he rapes her and she gives birth and one of the children sucks the poison out of her finger or sucks the spindle out of her finger 
trying to breast trying to feed they end up getting the the baby takes the whatever she pricked with her finger out of her finger and it wakes her up and she wakes up with two children one or two it's horrible it's absolutely horrible so so yeah i am i i am content to stick um with 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 disney's version of events yeah i don't want to get into all the horrors that are because the all of the original fairy tales are awful they're they're all, all cautionary tales in after a fashion right so we're not gonna go into all of the horror stories that are the original fairy tales because they're all awful super awful okay so back to the subtle the unsubtle fuck you um now, as I said earlier, I, two characters that to me, both the Tonys, to me, deserve to give unsubtle fuck yous to a lot of people. But I think both of them have a similar issue where you have to get them to the point that they're willing to. Uh, and I prefer that they do it on their own behalf. And so getting them to do it on their own behalf, I think, takes some ingenuity, you know? Um, I do think that one of the reasons why I like writing the unsubtle fuck you with dead air, if I'm going to go that direction, is because I do think that that is the kind of situation that would rattle Tony enough to get him to double bird everyone. It's so delicious with the unsubtle fuck you with dead air because it's like everybody can get what's coming to them. And it's just like, yes. And he There's is something so viscerally satisfying about everybody getting told off. <laughs> and because it's one of those situations in canon where Tony doesn't have to do much, right? All he has to do is just not take it. All he has to just do is not take the be quiet. Just keep your mouth shut and keep your head down. All he has to do, because any outside perspective is going to look at that and go, what? <laughs> no. The only people are you who smoking it, crack? Are you literally smoking crack right now? <laughs> yeah, I think the chat room might be smoking crack. You guys need to change your reading <laughs> habits. I'm just saying. Um, but I do think I think that that anybody sitting outside of the situation who's looking at you know if if Vance or Gibbs tried to kind of brush the thing under the under the rug, that they'd be kind of going what. No, 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 no. He's not the bad guy for saying no to this. That's what no is for. <laughs> no means no. <laughs> would he, who get Vance or Hetty? I think it would be interesting if, if Hetty came in and um, uh, kind of quietly audited <laughs> as she does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have I have a little bit of a hard time with Hetty. Um, I wouldn't use her personally in any kind of fuck you because where she was on the on on the protagonist side, because although I liked her in NCIS LA, um, yeah, there is that scene with her and Dinozo. It's not one that whole episode with her and Tony was awful, awful. She and Vance both don't do well with Tony. So if he's looking for an ally, it's not going to be one of them. So if I were to use Hetty as a in a on a on as a force for good in a story, it wouldn't be to be on Tony's side because I just can't. It, it rattles about in my brain um, how badly she treated him. Over yeah, yeah, there is nothing wrong with Dwayne Pride. <laughs> no, but she she was really horrible to him about Jenny Shepard's death. So um, and it was not. Um, 
the thing about that is that I felt like it was just terrible writing because um, Hetty Lang is is not um, petty. And, and more to the point, she had to know exactly what happened and what went down. So why was she blaming Tony? It was just bad writing. Um, it doesn't make any sense. I agree, but I think know. it was just a just a another chance for the writers to take a shit on Denoso's character on the character. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And the thing is, the circumstance that Tony found himself in, it was not his fault that this guy, he was there to pick up a prisoner. The prisoner wasn't there, right? So he's in LA to pick up a prisoner. Was it San Diego? I don't remember which, where the guy escaped from. Um, and Tony was there to pick up a prisoner. The prisoner basically didn't get off the plane, right? So the guy escaped before he was ever in Tony's custody. So Tony stays in LA to hunt the guy down and he gets the NCIS LH team help none of this was tony's responsibility but hetty blamed him for it she told him she didn't want to see the kind of fiasco that happened the last time that tony was in la and just railed at him about his shitty performance with when over jennifer shepherd's death and i was just like wow i liked hetty right up until this moment now i think she's a complete hoe bag i <laughs> just wow <laughs> yeah it wasn't it, it was completely out of it was that a character, character for her? Especially the way that everybody was blaming Tony for a prisoner he never got custody of. Um, like the only person who was decent to him, in my opinion, was Kenzie in that in that entire episode. And it was just obnoxious. It was just obnoxious. And and Tony felt like Gibbs was gonna blame him for this guy escaping too, even though like I said, Tony never got custody of the prisoner. Um, so he was spending spent the whole episode trying to hide from Gibbs that this manhunt was going on. And so Hetty's like last parting words to Tony in the episode were about basically delivering the fuck you that Gibbs knew and told him was telling him to get his ass back home. Um it was ugly. The whole episode. I mean, this was after I stopped watching NCIS because it was, I, I stopped watching over, um, I actually stopped watching entirely. I was, was sort of weaning. I wasn't watching as much and I tended to binge watch it after Dead Air, but I completely stopped over Jackie Vance's death. Um, and I stopped, but I went, it, I was, watched, it was like, why? Why? Right. Why do you have to kill one more woman on the show? Right. I was like, this is just bullshit. So I, I stopped watching over that. And um, and Vance author didn't step back, and he authorized that manhunt for Bodnar or whatever his name is, and let Ziva run it, knowing that Ziva was going to go to go execute the guy. I was like, wow, just everybody's morals just gets more and more lax on this show. So I stopped watching, right? And then I find out that Tony's going to be on. He's going to be a guest star. Michael Weather's going to be a guest star on NCIS LA, and I was like, oh, I'm all in on that one, right? Uh, uh I regretted all my life choices. All of them. I think they did that because they wanted to make sure that fans recognized that Janelle's character would not be welcome on that show. Or that they were letting Michael Weatherly know. Something like that. It was just, it was ugly. It was ugly behavior all the way around. It was bad writing. Um, and it made me think negatively of Hetty. So I can, I'm good with Hetty unless I have her in, in, in proximity to Tony. And then I just kind of like go... <sighs> Uh, it's just my brain can't quite get past having seen that. So if you haven't seen that episode, I would and you like Tony and you like Hetty, I would encourage you not to see it because it just pissed you off. 
on both of their behalf because Tony shouldn't have, Tony was taking on all this guilt and like responsibility for this guy escaping when Tony never got the guy in custody. It was bullshit. It made him look like, have like some sort of weird guilt complex that didn't make any sense. And Hetty was abusive and it was just like, what the hell? It so, was ugly all the way around. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't watch that. Um, I have to say that having written two big fix that one of each, subtle and unsubtle, um, is that there's a quiet kind of dignity in an unsubtle, in a, in a subtle fix, in a, in a subtle fuck you, because your character gets to take the high road and, um, there's a, there, there, there's a lot of righteousness to be found in that. But it's really fun to kill everybody that you hate. <laughs> and even some that you like that, that you normally like, but they just ended up on the wrong side of the uh, of the of the coin toss. And yes, there were several occasions d- during the plot in Dr. Lowell where I had characters written down. I was like, okay, bad guy, good guy. I couldn't decide. So I flipped a coin. <laughs> which is how which is how Remus Lupin ended up on the bad side. That was a coin toss? Okay. Yeah. yeah. When I was plotting, I was like, I had to make a list of who was who. You know, who was ambi- you know, was there some ambiguity here? Or is this just a pure evil? Or is this a good guy? Um, and there were a couple where I was like, really on the fence about. And Lupin was one of them. And um, once the decision was made, I went all in, of course. Obviously. <laughs> But I was just in that plotting stage. I I just didn't have a have have a preference, really. It just I just didn't know how he was going to fall. Hmm. I also did the same thing with um with Shacklebolt, and I ended up saving him, and and he lived. He won his coin toss. <laughs> The thing is, based upon, I mean, odds are, there's there's a statistical probability that everybody that you joust a coin for could have lost it. Right. Now, I think all of my unsubtle fuck yous have been short stories. Most of my fuck yous, my fuck yous are, this, are the subtle sort. Um, my favorite of the subtle fuck you, my favorite subtle truck fuck you trope is that they don't know the problem they're going to have until Tony's gone. Like that they don't realize how good he was until he's not there and that they're suffering for him not being there. That's my favorite of the subtle fuck you trope, which is he's like, okay, that's fine. I'm just going to go find a new team. I'm going to leave. It's just too much for me, whatever. And just leaves quietly. And then everybody's like, Oh, this sucks. (laughs) We need Tony back. Nope. Nope. Can't have him. One of the most satisfying things that I like to see in an NCIS fic is that when Tony leaves, gives his much talked about solve rate, bottoms. Bottoms out, yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> because if you look at the show, it isn't like Gibbs is doing the work. No. My, my, I think, the, what is the short? It's a 1K short. Um, I think it's called saying no. 
It's the one where Tony comes back from Israel and hands off all of the um, information about Ziva to the FBI and Vance and Gibbs. He just walks up to a contact and a, a contact of his from the FBI in a bar and hands him all the information on what these people have been up to because he's so pissed off about what happened in Israel. So he comes back and just hands off all the information and says, you need to do something about this. <laughs> Go investigate NCIS. That's probably the least, um, that's my least subtle fuck you, I think. I think that's the best definition of Harry Potter I have ever heard or read. He has the survival instincts of a squirrel on crack cocaine. <laughs> he survived on luck. Lady Luck was on his side. Okay. Oh, that's that's gives a schedule. <laughs> I was like, what is that? What is she talking about? So gives a schedule per dark Serafina is two hours getting coffee, two hours a day drinking coffee, two hours a day eliminating the coffee. That's six hours. Now that leaves two hours for actual work. <laughs> Well, in his defense, I would say he works at least 10 hours a day, if not more, depending on the case. So he probably has at least four hours of work in there. Well, but unless not he his... has to add another hour for coffee. Not on his cases, though, because I, it's my, I, I, from what I can tell, he spends a lot of time in MTAC staring at the monitors, not working on his cases. Right? <laughs> He's working on somebody else's shit. <laughs> But I would, I would, yeah, I, I agree on the on the trial rate. I think that really the only person they have on their team that performs well in a trial would be Donoso. They can't afford to let Ziva get on the stand. So they they must avoid that like the plague. And McGee's not personable. What story did I put it in that t McGee that 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 their solve rate? dropped from first down to I wrote I can't I'm blanking on the story that after Tony left that their solve rate dropped down from first into the they were in the top 30 or something but that their conviction rate went so so low that the agency didn't report out on it as just as a notable statistic wow um, <laughs> wow why am I blanking on that I mean, I, this is my own story but I can't think of a story that was no so they said in the pilot that Abby Oh, that's right. That's it's overqualified. Didn't testify well. That's in the show that that she couldn't get on the stand and perform. She does, she handled all their forensic fucking evidence. I want to stab people. You fucking serious. Well, there's that, I mean, I could actually see that being actually the truth because Shepard tried to clean her up and make her look professional for court and it didn't go well. Um, but I could see her going in there. I mean, it, it's it's real. I don't think she should be judged on, you know, goth attire in court. I don't think she should be judged on that. But the reality is, is that a jury is not going to take her seriously. Well, it, the pretty, well, the, well, the pretty quarter went down when Michael Weatherly left. I, 
right? I mean, I'm not... I mean, they had to hire, like, three other people who were attractive to replace him. <laughs> and I don't think it worked. Mm-mm. Just saying. But de dead air is optimal because anybody can look at that those set of circumstances and see that Tony's in the right. Right? So for right. I mean, there's no... How is that ever a reasonable response? Um, but I'm trying to think. But see, and see, the thing is, with, with the way his character is in the show, with what, how much he puts up with, you have to really give him. I think, in order to keep his characterization consistent, you, something has to give be a catalyst for him to stand up for himself. Where he just kind of goes, he needs either a friend or an outside perspective or something where somebody goes, whoa, that's not okay. Um, but I think dead air, he would, he, there's, there's, it's actually, I think, out of character that he wouldn't see it. Mike Bannon. <laughs> They're all for that. They're all for that banning train. Is it banning? Banning? Yeah, ban Mike, Mike Banning, yeah. They're all aboard the banning train. We're, we're all aboard the USS Olympus. <laughs> setting sail this fall <laughs> but we did a whole podcast on dead air actually yeah we um, did. Uh, and, and there uh, were a lot of definite deeply unsubtle fuck yous in that <laughs> in that podcast Olympus ship um, but I there are other opportunities where I wish he would have said no mm -mm 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 -mm. I mean, I think one of the earliest opportunities for me um, where where Tony should have drawn the line um, really, really, really was with um, Jean Benoit. I mean, that unsanctioned op, uh, it was... Well, the body bag in Air Force One, right? I think that if he had done what he should have done, that Fornell would have lost his job. That everybody in that van would have actually been on the hook for attempted murder. So we need we need an unsubtle fuck you going all the way back to then. Hmm. Well, there is a, there is a series called uh, it's 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 on it's on fanfiction.net and it addresses all those things like the body bag thing and the skydiving thing and it's um something morrow um it's on AO3 too it's uh, there's always tom morrow it's by okay. SA Sundance and why read it on I read it on fanfiction.net yeah why read it there if you don't have to but yeah it's right? on AO3 <laughs> SA Sundance um so but yeah now, I'm pretty sure that they talk about that the that the body bag thing comes up. Um, I I think so. Um, I've I've read a few of of the those are those those are episodic. Um, they're unconnected series they're one all, shots. Yeah, like yeah, they're, they're all episode tags. Yeah, but I think I think they're all done as chapters of a larger story, but they're really standalone one shots. So um, um, but yeah, they're all they're all 
but I think they're all in as as a she's put them all in one story as chapters, but they're really more like episodes. But they're unconnected, so um, you can read the ones the episode tags that are interesting to you. And I'm pretty certain that, as I recall, the ones I've read were pretty close to in order. It was like she was working her way through the series with the episodes that bothered her and writing an episode tag for them. But it would have to be the first two seasons because Tamara was Mara around left. after this. Yeah. <laughs> I um one of the one of the best fics I've ever read um is uh in NCIS is um the one where he actually didn't say no to to to, to Spain. Um, there, are, there, there are a few of those where he um, goes to Spain. So this one, he goes to Rhoda. Um, and before he like even really checks in, like he's helping the local cops handle something, and his team comes in and they're like where's our new dude right and they figure out that he's been there because he's got stuff there and so they're looking at his they're looking at the security footage and he's like bringing in the chief of police from the the local the the local cops and like he's obviously having a very friendly conversation with him and they're like how the hell what the hell how the hell did this happen and, and Tony ends up catching like um, these Marines who are gun running or something like that. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. But I forget what it's called. I'm so sorry. But I'm sure that someone else is in, in the chat room is going to remember what it was and they're going to tell you. Um, Tony taking the Spain op, going just going to Rota, I think was a great unsubtle fuck you. Especially considering how everybody was behaving about Gibbs coming back. And he does eventually like return with his team because there's something going on where they are surveilling somebody that ends up on the radar for the MCRT, um, and um, they um, he 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 brings one of his teammates with him, and Gibbs makes a really ugly assumption about it, and it's just not com accurate at all. But I, th I think she's actually a lesbian. Um, no, it's not that one, Dark. The story that... Because uh, I've read it too, and it's one that has an actual title. And I'm pretty sure it's on AO3. But it might not be. Um, is it Moving Forward? That sounds really familiar. By KSL? Bella threw up the fic ninja single. <laughs> I think it might be this one. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed how he connected with the local police and he was just like, you know, he, he hit the ground running. Let's see. I'm going to skim through it. Well, 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 the open doors projects for all of you who were like, Oh, about the end one of the NCIS archives going down. That, you know, that went away. Um, Open Doors Project brought in KSL stories. So not all, I don't think all of them are there. I'm definitely not seeing all of them. But um, there are 10. Yeah, like I don't see the box series or the, um, I don't see those on there. But I do see the, the, the two crossovers with the Houston Knights and I see moving forward over there. This one is good, but this is not the one I was... Um... 
moving forward isn't the one I was thinking of. Because he gets there and his team doesn't know he they don't know who he is. Um, and he's like he comes in in the middle of the night and they watch him leave and come back. And um, so it isn't moving forward. Although moving forward is good. Um, this isn't it. Because in chapter two, he's already met his team and he's describing them. Um, but that's not how that went down in the, in the one that I read. I think it was actually a genfic. I'm not sure if he ended up with Gibbs in that. Well, I've just found one that is where it's the one where he becomes the director. He comes back as the director after going to Rhoda. And he ends up with Gibbs in that one, too. No, mm -mm, this one's Jen. Oh, okay. And this one's I Was Tricked by Lenora Chris. Um, but I don't, that's not the one you're looking for either. Um, that's another director one. Now, there is one um, Rotofic where he comes back as director and he ends up with Gibbs at the very there's end. More, there's more than one. Uh, I've only read the one. Because well, if, you, if really you've read. Uh, well, oh, no, yeah. Okay, so there's one where he goes to Rhoda and winds up with Gibbs. There's one he becomes. So this is the one where he go, comes back. Did I get that right? Did I get the right link? This is the one where he comes becomes comes back as director and winds up with Gibbs. This is Home by Jules Monster. That one was good. I like that one. Home by Jules Monster. Um, that's not the one. Yeah, I can't find it. I know which one you're talking about because I've read it. Um, we shall work on it. Let's move on. Yes. Um, there is there is another one where Tony goes to Rhoda. It's called A Thousand Miles Mend What Is Broken. Um, is that the one where Gibbs moves with him to Spain eventually? Gibbs follows him to Spain, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's by Chetona. Um, but that's not the one. No, that one think. was really good, though. It had a very quiet tone about it. It was very, um, it was charming. Yeah. It actually is part of it. Well, the, there is a um, short little prequel to that story. So I'll link the series. Okay, so moving on. Because if anybody, if anybody can figure out what that other story was, just let us know. And we'll add it to we the really link library. It. I wouldn't mind reading it again, actually. Because I, I don't remember all the details. What sticks out for me is that the, he came in the middle of the night. And, like, uh, set, up, set up part of his desk. And ended up going on... Um, a case with the local police and his team is like how did, how did he get here and do all this and now he's gone where is he and he was sleeping in the cell or something and it was just it was just really good i i you know i want to read it again i do believe it was on fanfiction.net i actually end up reading more ncis on fanfiction.net than i do anywhere else that's because there's a lot more of it but it really offends me to go over there and read because there's always like they're they're in the archive of no slash no slash no slash. I'm like I don't. I get why they do it because there's that whole mentality on fanfiction.net that if you don't label your shit not slash, that someone's gonna come in and abuse you for writing slash because they're gonna make the assumption that you're doing it. Okay, so 
um, whoever it was that found this link on fanfiction.net, I think this is the story that you were talking about. Claire found it. Um, it's not the one I'm thinking of, but I think this might be the one you're thinking of about the, the thing with, um, yeah, it has him in the cell. Um, I'll paste the link again. But the one I was thinking it had an actual title, like Tony, Tony accepts the road assignment is not to me a story title. It's a summary. So um, but it does have that cell that so I haven't haven't read this though, but I was just scanning it and it does have the the cell. I was thinking of the one where Tony and his team come back to the U.S. and um, if if he, if they come back to him with the with in, in this story, it's a different team because this is not the people that I was thinking of. I'm gonna read a little bit. So if you go down to the link is um, Monday morning in Rhoda, if you search for that phrase, that's. It is. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, this is the one that I was talking about. Um, the one where he goes on the mission with the or the case with the local police while his team it was just a, not even aware that he was there yet. But I don't think that's the same one where he ends up coming back to Washington with his with the girl, with the female agent and Gibbs makes the wrong assumption. Right. That's the one about it. Yeah. That's the one I was thinking of is the one where his, and there's two other members of his team and they all wind up staying in the same apartment for a little while. Yeah. Um, they also, so, Tony's apartment specifically that might actually, no, that's not what am I thinking. So the one that I'll talk about first is called Rhoda. Tony, Tony accepts the Rhoda assignment by NJ in Jane 58 and it's on fanfiction.net and it'll be listed in the podcast link library for those of you who are on discord um and someone contacted someone mentioned on facebook that they're having a prop that they were having a hard time um figuring out discord um so uh i will um get together some instructions and some screenshots and um make that available to people um, probably next week. I, I'm a little busy right now, but next week. So for those of you who are listening to the podcast in the archive and can't get here for the live show, um, we will try to get you some instructions on how to do that if Discord is 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 frustrating you. They have a Discord account? They do not. I don't think they were having they don't they didn't understand how Discord worked, I don't think. So I gave them um, the link to the Discord app, and I gave them a video from YouTube on how to use Discord. Um, but they're not in the chat room, so I don't think they made it. Um, well, everybody who's had a problem that's contacted me, they haven't actually signed up for the Discord account. So that is going to be a stumbling block, because you do have to have that first. Um, okay, so I'm just trying to make sure. Well, I'll capture the links later. That's the first one. I'll, I'll update the link library after the podcast. So I'm not trying to do that right now. Um, well, but I, I still haven't. One, I know one needs to be sacrificed to a volcano. We must account for one's wants as well. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, but really, if you're wanting to sacrifice people into a volcano, you're probably talking about a Harry Potter story, maybe Stargate. Um, I don't know that you can really fit that in very easily. Or a story. What's that cute Disney movie? Mo 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 Moana? Mm-hmm. Moana's very cute. There was a volcano on that. Not exactly. 
Oh, really? I haven't actually watched all of it. My niece watches the hell out of it, though. She's um, a volcano goddess. She's a lava goddess. There's, she's uh, not actually a volcano. Joe versus the volcano crossover. Um, have you ever seen that uh, that really cute ass animation on YouTube about the volcano that falls in that falls in love with another volcano? No. It's lava you. I lava you. It is the cutest freaking thing you will ever see in your life. It is just charming. I when first time I saw it, I actually got really upset when she disappeared. She comes back though. It gets better. She got better. I was like, oh, don't go away. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> I imagine someone is over on YouTube getting us a link as we speak. Probably. Um, so we haven't covered Tony Stark yet. Somebody else who needs, who needs to give some people an unsubtle fuck you. Um, I think he would be uniquely interesting to write doing an unsubtle fuck you. Because he has a lot. This is ugly. Okay, this is really ugly. I'm going to say anyway. He's very smart. He has a lot of personal power. And he's rich as fuck. And when you've got all those elements at your disposal. Your level of unfuck. Is like. Unreal. Yeah. Unsubtle for you when you've got unlimited resources. Is pretty. It can be a volcano. Um, I bought a volcano. Just for you. And nobody will know. This is where I put you. <laughs> um. Somebody did find it. Sueba found it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. It is freaking adorable. It is the cutest thing you'll ever see. On YouTube, but, probably. But when it comes to Tony Stark, um, my favorite method for him giving the unsubtle fuck you is to just say no. <laughs> I'm not going to enable you anymore. I'm not going to give you things because really everybody manipulated stuff out of Tony, right? Shield manipulated consulting hours out of Tony. They manipulated getting him, you know, they manipulated him into wanting to get involved with stuff, right? And we actually have a plot drift plan about what happens if Tony says no about like literally anything, but just says no. And what would it do? What, what would the ramifications be? That could be for, for, Considering how much, in many cases, with many people, just saying no could be a subtle fuck you. But with Tony Stark, considering how much he gives to people and the resources that he brings to bear for the Avengers and for S.H.I.E.L.D. and whatever, saying no could be catastrophic for them. Nope, I'm done. Fuck you. It's like, oh, I'm just walking away. Mm-mm. mm mm I got shit to do. I'm gonna make a space station. <laughs> <laughs> You are not entitled to my time. You're not entitled to my money and you're not entitled to my talent. So no. And like I said, anybody else who says without those kinds of, it's not just that his resources, right? But it's how much he gave. Anybody else who didn't, who didn't have that much out there who says no, it's just, that's a very subtle little thing, right? But for Tony, considering, you know, it's my headcanon that he's basically funding the Avengers. He makes their weapons. Um, Eventually, he gives their, his life for it, and I just... 
And it's not just an unsubtle fuck you to his teammates or whoever he, if, if, cause I mean, that's maybe, I think a lot of people write him saying no as being a direct fuck you to his teammates. It could be a, it could be a, um, unsubtle fuck you to the government, to, um, to shield, to everybody who, you know, the, the defense community who want him, who keep trying to manipulate him into, um, doing weapons. I mean, he could sit around and then he could sit around and get even more unsubtle with his fuck you. And did you feed your cows? <gasps> Thank you. <laughs> um, and then he could be even more unsubtle with his fuck yous and he could go about actively trying to ruin some people. A politician or two. Or three or four. Depending on their affiliation with Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> Dima says that Tony could say, I hired Mark Watney and SI is going to potato farm Mars. I have no time for you. <laughs> I think, I don't think Tony be mean enough to try to get Mark Watney back to Mars, but you know, uh, maybe somebody else. He might put Mark Watney in charge. Like, look, dude, I'm not going to send you back, but would you like to be in charge of all I mean, this? As you rightly pointed out, you technically colonize Mars, so. Since it's your space. <laughs> Since it is, in fact, your planet. I'd like to go there. And put planet some more potatoes. Space. See how space. it works out. <laughs> space potatoes. <laughs> the bombs would definitely need a new hands-on division. I think that if you actually have a department in your company dedicated to telling people off on your behalf because you don't have time for that shit, you have reached the epitome of the unsubtle fuck you. Yes. It's not only fuck you, but I don't have time or the inclination to tell you personally because you're not worth it. So here's Bob. <laughs> and if you're rude to Bob, you're going to get dick. Dick. <laughs> and nobody wants dick. So be polite. Be polite to Bob while he's telling you off. Them's the rules. Don't be rude to Bob. And the most desirable career in 2020 is to be a Bob at Stark Industries. The definition of this job is still secret. <laughs> the job no, description. We don't know what nope. Bob does, but we know that Bob gets paid a lot, and his job satisfaction is through the roof, so we want to be Bob's, Bob. don't, Bob's don't talk, and there's no no attrition, so they apparently only get higher Bob's when there's growth for the company. We think. We're not 100% sure, since we don't know what Bob's do. But we do know there are three new openings for Bob's. Bob's. The pay is fantastic and the perks are outrageous. <laughs> Can you imagine getting paid to cuss people out? <laughs> it would be fantastic. I would love it. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I need to write like a crack series of like, like people getting like all over the Bob. world getting calls from Bob. Sir, Senator, you have a call from Bob from Stark Industries. I have to take this, you know. Oh, we know. We know you have to take this. We know this. you do. <laughs> you better go quick. Man. <laughs> you better go, better go quick before Bob gets frustrated and hangs up and Dick calls you back. 
don't make excuses. No jading. And everybody just turns and looks and goes, what did you do to Tony Stark? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who have not listened to it, there's a podcast in the past where we had this whole thing where Tony Stark, being the smart genius he is, um, doesn't have time to deal with people who piss him off. So he delegates cursing out to employees a division in his and so Jarvis will give them an assignment to call, you know, so-and-so to cuss them out on behalf of um, Mr. Stark because he doesn't have time for their shit. Uh, so, and it got in the chat room and they were all like, oh, we well, have to call them Bobs. And then there was like, you know, how do you get promoted and, and, and what's your new title if you get promoted? And of course, you're a dick if you're not a Bob. And it just got... It, Dicks are escalation, it of, right? It, yeah, it escalated. escalated. It got, there was some escalation. And then there yeah. was Chief Dick. Then there was Chief Dick 69. Yeah. Yeah. They all have numbers. Yeah. I'm Dick 69 or whatever. So, so of a, and then so the next podcast, I think we called this, we, we talked about the Bob and Dick show in the next podcast because of the two of us, I'd be the Bob and she'd be the Dick. Mm hmm. That's pretty much the way it goes. Like, I feel like if you get an email from me about like Rough Trade or something, you should pay attention because if you like ignore me or blow me off or get rude, then you're gonna get an email from Kira. So that's the Bob. <laughs> that's that's the Bob Dick escalation there, right? So guys <laughs> wrote fic about Dick and Bob. Missed that. Um yeah, so I don't remember what podcast that was at all. It was not the intention of the podcast. It just no. went that way. It was a bit of insanity that happens. It was sort of like the 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 sir thing that happened when we talked about the that John Shepherd podcast that one time. Oh, sir. I've been sir. reading. Sir. <laughs> sir. That was in John Sharp Shepherd Time Travels, I think part one, because we had to do a part two because we got so sidetracked by that whole joke. Mm. Yeah, sir. Because like, you know, you could you could just imagine that by the time they get ready to leave, that Marshall Sumner has actually developed a, a tick around being called sir. Yes, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I was reading away my email. No, <laughs> no, major, you were not. <laughs> you are not allowed to read anymore. We've taken away all your access until we are through to Atlantis. <laughs> We're confiscating um, your email. We're confiscating your laptop. Go sit in the corner until it's time to leave. I can't handle it anymore, Shepard. I can't. I'm done. If you're looking for the Dick and Bob podcast, uh, Susan says she thinks it might be the art of conversation. And that could be right. Um, so that's not like it might be. Because it seems like something that would come up in, in the art of conversation. <sighs> but if if... If if it is, it's how we ended the podcast. Which was we were we were dick and bobbing it right to the end. Yeah, pretty much. I would love to write a squeaky wheel John fic, sir, sir, but it would be so cracky. I mean, I don't think I could keep from it. Would it would end up crack? There's just no way it wouldn't be crack. Well, yeah, but I mean, in this case, you'd I'd, I'd want to write it from Sumner's point of view, um, where the first time it happens, he's and you see the progression of him. Going from thinking that the major is very much more um, 
diligent than he had expected and then he brings up good points and then it's like sir i was reading the 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 our our manifest for medical supplies and he's just like does anything get by this man you know and he's like it's just like a little short like little, little short scenes of sir <laughs> and so by the end every, so somebody says good morning sir and he just like drops his coffee and he just is like i can't even don't talk to me he goes to o'neill can i see shepherd's uncensored jacket please <laughs> please i need to know and, what happened to this man and then better better is o'neill tells him it can't possibly be that bad and to man up right and so o'neill and so sumner goes we switch places we switch places. he comes to you with all of these things for the next week, just a week, sir, just a week, he's going to come to you and, and you're going to authorize this. Okay. I'm taking a week off. And it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then O'Neill is twitchy after two days. <laughs> he was like, major stop reading <laughs> or for God's sakes, call me Jack. I can't deal with this. Yeah, the sir thing that was just, and it's just sometimes we just go in really bizarre directions when we have these discussions. Um, Look, if Sandra got a phone call from Bob, I think he would kick John's ass. <laughs> like, what did you do, Major? I don't have time for a Bob phone call. How am I getting a Bob phone call? I don't even know Tony Stark. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, so Willow says the Bob podcast is fandom and junk fusion versus canon divergence. Really? Well, we were way off topic. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a surprise. Okay, so there you go. Um, the ninja is never wrong. Either she's got a great indexing system or an amazing memory. <laughs> Or both. Or both. It could be both. Both work really well together. Amazing memory and a great indexing system. You know, you know, you know, Susan, you said I bow before her. But when I glanced over at that, that's not what I saw. Did you see an L inserted in there? I did see an L. I was like, what? What? <laughs> Who are you offering to blow? Because Bob, Bob and Dick 69 are taken. <laughs> Willow could be delicate. You can't offer her blowjobs like that just off the cuff. <laughs> you gotta work your way into that. <sighs> At least buy her dinner first. Seriously. <laughs> Okay, so Tony. Now, t I have to admit, time-traveling Tony Stark is an easier candidate for giving. Because when he sees how badly things go wrong, he is much a better candidate for the unsubtle fick you. Fick, fick you. Fuck you. you. <laughs> <laughs> he's a better. Because if once he's seen how things go wrong, he... Um, well, see, I said it right. Fick you, Willow. Fick you. <laughs> Willow wants a fick offering. Somebody find something. <laughs> Somebody give Willow a fick. And don't offer her any more dick. 
Bobs are going to have to call her from now on. <laughs> um. <laughs> so if Tony's seen how badly things could go and he time travels, it, depending upon where you put him down, because you had him go way back to where an unsubtle fuck you was really needed, right? But if you had him go back later in the series, right? Like maybe he didn't have control over where he went back to. Like he woke up right after the invasion or something, right? Like he, um, I've read more than one time travel story where he um, basically winds up time traveling right back to the moment that the battle against the Chitauri is over. Well, if that's the moment, the, uh, the, the, the fuck you needs to be pretty unsubtle, both to shield and just, I mean, basically all the way around. It's, but especially to shield. Yeah, where I would start. I would start by suing the World Security Council on behalf of the state of New York and all the citizens of New York City because those assholes threw a nuclear bomb at us. Mm-hmm. I'd sue him for personal damages for all the therapy he's going to need for his PTSD. Having flown through a fucking alien porthole with their fucking nuclear weapon. <laughs> Just saying. I'm like, no, S.H.I.E.L.D., you cannot use my technology to fly your stupid helicarrier anymore. I'm not building you any more of those motherfuckers. And also, fuck you, Steve Rogers. (laughs) Just saying. Well, I mean, the thing is about the whole Iron Man yes, Tony Stark no thing is... They already knew they weren't going to get Iron Man without Tony Stark. So what was the point of those shenanigans? Other than the manipulation we all interpret. In, in, interpret. Did they think they were going to get Iron Man away from Tony? Get somebody else to pilot the suit? I, what, I, think, I think it boils down to just pure manipulation. Because um, if you look at Tony's character, telling him no is the quickest and easiest way to make him want something. I honestly think he pursued Pepper as long as he did because she said, because she didn't give in the first time. I think if she'd gone to bed with him the first time he asked, he would have... Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. He'd have died and ditched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would have been... Been, he'd have been over it, yeah. But because she held out, as long as she did, she became this immense challenge. And then once he won her, he felt he felt like he had to keep her. And that is such an old romance trope, right? That the girl that holds out is the one that gets the guy. I mean, I just my eyes rolled back in my head just just as soon as you said as soon as she be, held out, she became an immense challenge, and then he had to keep her. I mean, my eyes were just like spinning in their socket because that is such a horrible old cliched trope i mean i don't mind tropes but i i don't like it when they become like just obnoxiously cliched like that like it's like oh come on it is obnoxious and it is obnoxious on several levels because pepper just until really the last moment of his life she basically dedicates herself to making him into somebody he's not and it is not until he is dying literally dying in her hands that she accepts him for who he is and when she accepts finally when he said all those years ago that I am Iron Man and it's easily her best moment in the entire fucking series and that says a lot mm-hmm. 
that she had her best moment shortly before he died. As he was dying. It's just sad. It's sad and unfortunate. Their relationship was, I agree, unhealthy and abusive are the words. Uh, her constant... It felt like everything about her was about to put down to him. Like, every one of his decisions was not acceptable as far as she was concerned. She was so judgmental of him. And it's just like, how is that the foundation for a healthy relationship? It's not... The thing is, is there isn't... If you look, someone said in the chat room that he could have had Morgan with somebody who would support him. Um, in canon, there is no one physically capable of giving him Morgan who did support him. Who wasn't a source of immense stress, betrayal, dishonesty. I mean, there, there was no one. Not a canon character, no. Well, but I just I don't I don't really see Tony as as seeking, um, at least up to the point that we saw in canon. I think the only reason why he was even thinking about kids was because he was with Pepper, because he was in a relationship. But I don't see him seeking out to be a single parent. I, I it just doesn't seem like. I mean, I think he would have had to have been older. I would to, prefer to see Morgan be the, the be the result of a one night stand. Yeah, I agree. Who just wasn't interested in having it could even be a one night stand with Pepper, right? So like I'm not interested in having a kid and Tony's like, I'll take care of it. Now she's unfortunately she's the judgmental type um who would decide that Tony's not adult enough to have a kid. I could see so that's that makes her a problem a problematic on the surrogate front or even the kid who from a one night stand is she actually, I think is so judgmental that I think that she would just be critical about Tony raising a child period. I um, think that would be the ultimate destruction of their relationship though. Yeah. They would come back from that, that any friendship he had for her, any friendship feelings he had for her would be utterly destroyed. And I actually think that if he had a kid from a one night stand, I think she'd be judgmental of that too. And I think that that would also probably destroy any relationship that they had. Um, that there it, is I, one where he does have a kid from a one night stand. Um, it's called My Son, My Son. My S-U-N, my S-O-N. Uh, I feel like you do your creepy alien typing. Your creepy alien typing is easier for me to find on the podcast than mine. <laughs> Um, if it's this one, it's, it looks like it's by Word Splat. Yes, Word Splat. I was thinking Word Splat, but I didn't want to say it and get it wrong. Willow is setting us up. Willow, it's find it. My son, my son. My S-O-N, my S-U-N by Word Splat. And that's, um, he gets a baby delivered to his door. <laughs> Okay. I love Word Splat. I think excellent. Excellent, really interesting writer. I was actually trying to think about um actually I won't. Um if I were time traveling Tony, I'd probably want to have the fuck you be earlier in canon 
so that he could avert some of the really awful stuff that happens. Although the thing is, is that what is that line? Um, it's something like that, you know, the more you know about the future, the more you can do, but the more you do, the less you know. I don't, I don't remember exactly how the line goes, but it's basically the idea is, is that knowledge of the future negates knowledge of the future. Um, so if he were to come back, like, if you when you do it like a time and you you explored the, some of the concepts of that is that he he can't predict the way things would go once you change things right because once you've changed things because you you've negated your any prescience you had so because free will and the thing is is unless you remember everything you ever said to every single person and you use the same tone the same words the same inflection with the same facial expressions you'll get the same responses from these people. But that is unrealistic. So you go back in time and you say, at the same moment, right? You say, um, so Tony is in his lab and the first time around, he agreed to do something that Stain wanted him to do. This time around, he doesn't really remember what Stain's talking about, but he still remembers Stain being a sorry motherfucker. So he says no. Which totally sets Stain off because Stain wasn't prepared for that no. And so it spirals. So when you're writing time travel, you have to you have to keep in mind that when you do something that your character didn't do the first time around, that there's gonna be consequences. There's gonna be lots of ripples. Um, lots of lots of ripples. And I honestly don't think that I addressed all the ripples that I should have in Unleash Your Demons. I've got a few kind of percolating in the back of my mind, which I'll probably put in the sequel. Like, oh, I should have mentioned, I should have, I should have addressed that. I should, I should come back to that. Why didn't I think of that? You know, and it's just like, <clears throat> it's like, oh. <laughs> so if Tony goes back to the time of the Avengers or Iron Man 2 or anything before that, and he delivers an unsubtle fuck you. His ability then to know when certain events are going to occur and how they're going to occur and to have an impact on them is now gone. So it's just something there to are be some events that he can he can that he can count on um, things that are, that take place off planet that impact right. his like reality, the like the um, the arrival of Thor's hammer. Um, anything he does on our Earth wouldn't right, impact that, that. Right. Now, it could impact Thor, and then therefore impact Loki, and then therefore impact the Chitauri invasion. But, so it all depends upon where you go, right? Um, so, it, but if you have him go... So, like, I think that one of the big things that has to be averted, you know, uh, you know, if I'm going to write a, f any, if a significant fix it, I got to avert the Winter Soldier, right? You got to stop that from happening. You got to stop the data dump from happening. But if Tony goes back to Avengers and, and delivers an unsubtle fuck you to S.H.I.E.L.D. and potentially a teammate or two, what impact is that even going to, I mean, things might not even unfold the same way in the Winter Soldier, much less his ability to have an impact on it. So... 
hmm, as satisfying as the unsubtle fuck you is with time travel, which is when I think he'd be fed up enough to give it. Um, you have to, I think you'd need another catalyst to make a realistic realist uh, other than time travel, a, a different catalyst for Tony to get to the point where he just double birds everybody and says, no. And like I said, from Tony, and like I said, we do have a whole plot drift plan about Tony saying no, but um, Tony with his resources, no is pretty unsubtle from him. It is. A double I think that one of the easier ways and it's harsh to bring a little ugly reality to Tony about his situation with um, the Avengers and with S.H.I.E.L.D. is to kill Pepper. When? Um, is Iron Man 2 it's pre-Avengers. Iron Man 3 is post. And which one is Extremis in? Three. Three. So, yeah. Have have uh, have Killian Aldridge or Aldridge Killian kill her. And you got and you got to figure the thing about Iron Man 3 that just drove me bonkers. And I talk about this at the beginning of of Sentry because I had to address it, right? So, um, Sentry begins right fairly close to right after Iron Man 3. Um, it's where the fuck were his teammates? Where was S.H.I.E.L.D.? Tony was dealing with the Mandarin on his own? Where were they when his his mansion was being blown into the ocean? And then Tony, you know, where where was he for any of this stuff? And then Tony disappears? I mean, it, it's like, it, I know that, I know what that was. The reality was, is they weren't wanting to pay for a bunch of cameos from high-priced actors. But it didn't make sense. So, you know, I had to I had to address that in some fashion, which was that um, Shield was keeping them busy and that they didn't know about it, that they were you know cut off on a mission. And I and I wrote it being that basically deliberate on Nick Fury's part to cut off Tony. Um, and it's just it was so unrealistic. But yeah, I think if Pepper had been killed and that and the team hadn't been around, um, you know, I talked about this a little bit one day, and I actually plotted a story where. Um, the Avengers all show up to Tony's funeral, to her funeral, and it's a private funeral. And Tony, Tony, who the person who's been Tony's been given instructions to about who to let in, and he didn't put them on the list. The only person who's on the list is Bruce. And actually, the way I plotted that one is that Bruce um, sees some of the news about the Mandarin and Tony basically taunting the guy, giving his address out on TV when he's wrapping up some work. Um, He's not. He, he hasn't run, but Tony knew that Bruce was in India, and Bruce calls and says, "I'm coming back. What the hell is the matter with you? Why are you taunting a terrorist on television? Where's the rest of the team?" And so Bruce is back, and he gets back. Unfortunately, too late to keep to, to save Pepper, but um, but the team um, find out Pepper died. You know. They don't. They don't come to his aid in any fashion, even though they knew about it. And so the unsubtle fuck you there is Tony's furious, furious. And, and you know, also I can see um, Natasha blaming him for it because he did get on TV. And um, even though the Mandarin didn't was just a smokescreen, and that he was always going to attack Tony, um. I think that she would blame him for antagonizing that whole situation and getting Pepper killed. 
Yeah, I think especially if she were told no. That would be her way of lashing out. Yeah, I totally think she would try to manipulate him into blaming himself. If he wasn't doing it before she came along. Fury would certainly use it as a weapon. To get him back into the fold. Yeah. Look what you did when you were on your own. Got your girlfriend killed. You need to atone for that. You need to pay for that. You need to... You need to... You need to help others. Somebody said in the chat room that the, in the, the t there's no team in the standalone movies. That's not strictly true. Um, there's certainly a lot of team, two teams, as a matter of fact, in Captain America Civil War, um, which is ridiculous, quite frankly. Not that the, but the, that they made a standalone movie that was basically an Avengers movie, but without Thor and Hulk. Um, and I was talking, actually, I was talking to them the other day, and they said, um, why couldn't it have been the whole team? And I said, because Thor and Hulk prevent there being a war because either one of those either one of them or both of them sides on one side and you know that especially hulk is going to come down on tony's side um even with the ross factor i really do believe even with the ross factor that bruce would have come down on tony's side that there's no war <laughs> it's, it's right. over it's over ant-man doesn't matter there's, you got a Hulk, right? So that they had to take Bruce out of the equation, and that's why they ended Age of Ultron the way they did. Because they would, couldn't go forward with their Civil War plot plan um, as long as um, Bruce was around and a viable teammate for either side, really. There'd be no war, there'd have been a scuffle. Where Hulk would have sat on them all and said, okay. You talk about your feelings. You guys are going to cooperate with each other. What the There's hell? There's only one rage monster around here, and that is me. Yes. <laughs> Bruce is very upset. And Thor is also a very similar force in that way. Is whichever side he's on is going to win. There's going to be no war. So, um, it, in terms of... of now... They could maybe argue the Scarlet Witch might be able to deal with. Well, the Scarlet Witch could have been an equalizing force for Bruce, but I don't think they would play that card twice. I think that the next time the Hulk sees the Scarlet Witch, he's going to smash her. She's going to be a Scarlet Puddle. That's what should have happened. It makes no sense ever that he encountered her once he was back on Earth and didn't have a reaction to her. Yes, yeah, Scarlet Paste. Um, the heifer. So basically, they took the two biggest heavy hitters off planet for Civil War. And then they put literally everybody else in, um, including introducing some new Avengers. So they do bring people into, and they have, and actually in all of the Captain America movies, um, except for the first one, and, and they brought, uh, of course, they brought Sam, and you have Natasha in. In uh, the Winter Soldier, so they do. They have paid for 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 other actors to come into these standalone movies. They just didn't do it really with any of the Iron Man movies. And Tony gets except for when we get our introduction to Black Widow, where she's playing Honey Trap. Yeah, and she doesn't do much besides um, 
break into a facility that's already been abandoned, basically. Right? I mean, she's basically, she and Happy go to that, go to um, that. Ostensibly, they're going to arrest. I think they're going to try to get whiplash, but he's already gone. So their break-in of that Hammer Tech lab was just sort of pointless. Um, her whole her whole role in Hawkeye was in a scene in Thor, um, but was he even in the credits? He might. Even I don't be know. He was, that was honestly the, probably the only scene he was ever in in the entire franchise where he was on point. Yeah, just saying. I mean, he says, I don't know what this guy, but I'm kind of rooting for him. <laughs> He's kicking all the other guys' asses. <laughs> good night, Jeep. Have a good evening. Did I say that right? I assume it's Jeep, or do you mean evening? I, you definitely said evening right. I meant the name. I think it's Jeep. Okay, cool. Okay. I don't know how else you could say it, but <laughs> I am prone to messing that up. Although sometimes I think there's no other way to say something and then I find out that I've been saying it wrong. It's like, oh. For a decade or more. <laughs> and no, for those of you who are still curious, I'm not over pus. Still. I'm not over it. Can you guys hear my fan? I had to replace my wind guard on my microphone. Because I lost it again. And this one isn't as thick as the one that came with it. I, I can't hear anything personally. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, because like, and the thing is, people also they they pick their their little their little fandom pseudonyms or whatever, and they ignore like basic pronunciation rules in English. Like, you know, if you only have one one consonant between two vowels, the first vowel is a long vowel, and they tell you, "Oh no, it's a short one." It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> what are you doing? What about spork? I don't know, but I thought I had outlawed the word spork in my presence I'm like a sure. decade ago. You you don't really yeah, you 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 actually have like banned it as a word on, on many of your sites, but um I mean unless unless I go to Taco Bell and they actually give me a spork, I'm not particularly <laughs> particularly fond of the word either. Because there's no other way to describe That's that implement. Those assholes in the Star Trek fandom were trying to I understand why. I totally understand why. But if it's the actual spork, the thing, we know what a spork is. But why'd you bring it up? No, I don't. I, I'm totally confused by. We know what a. I think we, she's fucking with us. I think she is. It's not a. <sighs> there is no KS1. There is no K slash S spork. Because you can't call the fucking grandfather of Slash Spork. Just saying. I might have issues. But I don't know why it came up in the first place. We know what a spork is, but I just don't know why it came why it was just the word spork landed in the chat room all of a sudden. <laughs> she's, just, <laughs> she's fucking with us. She's fucking with us. That's okay though. It really bothers me, Midnight. It does. Because, you know. Actually, the reason we call male male slash is because of the fucking slash between K and S. 
K slash S slash. That's where it That's came where from. it comes from. And for them to we call it Kirk Spock. These <laughs> fetuses need to keep their sporks to themselves. Not every Perry, I don't I'm not I'm not down with these name mashups. I never have. Uh, have the, the, the pairing is called K slash S or Kirk slash Spock. That has always been what it's called. There was never a mashup name for that. The only mashup name that I am actually 100% on board with is McShep. <laughs> and that's it. I hate them. I don't want to see Spork or Spones or Spurk or. Do I even want to know what whatever. Spork is? Uh, Spock and Kirk. Well, I'm not down for Tibbs either. I think Tibbs is stupid. I think Tibbs is stupid too. <laughs> I'm serious. I've seen Spones on fucking AO3. It drives me nuts. I had the. I saw a name mashup. I didn't even know this pairing existed. Actually, I should have known. Double OQ is pretty cool. Double OQ is, is pretty cool. But. Um, but that's um, that's like two code name mashups, and I'm just going to give an exception for that. Bag and Shield is but awesome you don't too. mess, but you don't mess with K slash S. You don't mess with Kirk Spock. You just don't because that's where we get our. But the no. other day, the other day I was seeing, I was looking at a story that they talked about the pairing, and they called it this, and it took me a minute to process what it was, and then I, <laughs> and then I, yes, and then I just like. <laughs> Oh my god. Shut up. That Shut needs up. to not exist. <laughs> Ellie, get in the corner. <laughs> get in the corner. Ellie. <laughs> you had to go there again. Staple door has entered the building again. What is McKirk? Oh, oh, McCoy Kirk. That's uh. We wouldn't be here without Kirk slash Spock, so it's just really disrespectful to call that pairing. Um, it's 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 not cool for young fans to come into our fandom and rename our pairing and expect us to put up with it. Yeah, please uh, call it against Spork. Because if you're going to call anything a Spork, it had better be that funny utensil you get at Taco Bell when you order a Nachos Bell Grande. I'm just saying. <laughs> and that is the only thing you're allowed to call a fucking Spork. Because that is the only place I've been in like the last decade where I got a Spork was Taco Bell. And it was... Nachos Bell Grande. Look, so I feel so passionately about this that I have been. Ser I at one point I seriously considered petitioning Ao3 to ban the word from their from from their fucking tags. A, a, a petition on Change.org to ban the word "spork" <laughs> from being used in fandom at all, ever. <laughs> Just saying, it's really offensive. Why in the world? I'm not. I don't like. I don't. What, 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 don't don't. What she I, posted. No, I'm deleting that. I'm. I'm not down for auto downloads. What the hell? What'd you put in here? It was a. It was an image of a spork. But I don't like auto downloads. That just really bothers me. Man, <laughs> <laughs> the word make Taco Bell call them foods. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not. I mean, for the most part, name mashups are really are really annoying. I like Bag and Shield because that's like I don't know. It's just it's cute, and so is Spidey Pool, frankly. And it's new, but you can't go into an established fandom like Star Trek and rename their pairing 
No. Some cute-ass stupid shit, or just stupid shit, and expect older fans to be okay with it. Because it's not. It's not okay. Unless you're going to name it, change it to, um, and then it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, it's not okay. It's not okay, but it's funny. (laughs) For those of you in the podcast, she just types K-O-C-K in my chat room. At least be porny about it if you're going to be obnoxious. <laughs> it is I mean, obnoxious. It's also funny as hell, and I appreciate it. But still, slash. I mean, it's uh, that's yeah. That is the origins of the term. So we just need to be a little respectful. Respectful. Of, we we need to fix the the granddaddy pairing. That sounds weird, but <laughs> you need to respect Spock's double ridged penis. <laughs> In all of its glory. At least it's not some weird tentacle dick. I mean, I have I have been surprised by... I have seen a tentacle dick thing for, for yeah. Clip Spock. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like they finally getting it on. It's like, what is going on? And it's like... And, well, Kirk's all on board with it, but I was like, I'm not sure I am. Azure, behave yourself. No, and I don't know who I'm talking to. It's like my just- brain just... I just took all of my senses. To everybody needs to be. Everybody needs to behave themselves. Just saying. No, you don't. (laughs) I like, I mean, I picked a point I picked for Unleash Your Demons because I wanted um, Tony to try to save. I figured Tony understood he couldn't go back as far as he would like. The further he went back, the harder it would be to control events or to anticipate what might happen. So he couldn't go back to the day that um, Bucky killed, or not not Bucky, but the Winter Soldier killed his parents. He couldn't go back that far. He didn't have enough power. He didn't have the position. He didn't, and any knowledge that he had of the future would have been absolutely useless. Um. <laughs> Why do I feel like Foon has now entered the lexicon of of the Minion Horde? I I declined Foon. I, I because sure shooting, there's going to be somebody out there whose last name is Moon paired with somebody <laughs> whose first name is Franklin, and they're going to name their freaking mashup Foon. <laughs> what the hell, Ellie? <sighs> Man, that has got a high rating on the eggplant meter. <laughs> Could you, we have shattered, you know, you know, off camera. He said, "Look, I really don't want to hold this, this giant dick." <laughs> just, just, just a minute, just a minute, Will. Just, just hold, just hold it for a minute. It'll be over soon. <laughs> Close your eyes and think of England. <laughs> Is that a real screenshot? Someone please tell me that that giant phallus was not actually on TV back then. Oh my god. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. It gave him a giant dick. 
I mean, a giant. That is bad dragon levels of giant dick. It googly moogly. Yeah, it was in the it was in the Horda episode. It was a uh, he broke off a stalactite or a stalagmite or whatever, whichever one hangs from this from the. I think it was coming up from the floor. Or it might have been hanging from the ceiling. I don't remember which one, but it, it was in the cave. Ah, thank you, Ellie. Hangs tight to the ceiling. <laughs> Don't get in the corner. Just, just go. Just go. Just cause. <laughs> oh my god. Speaking of caves and sex metaphors, have you ever read the fic in Stargate Atlantis where they're down on the planet and they have to manipulate this cave to get something out of it <laughs> and they keep going in there in shifts and because they can't figure out how to work it and Novak figures it out and then they have to bounce <laughs> on the g-spot wait is this the they're in the cave sex orifice thing <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think Lauren and Novak end up hooking up Okay, Thick Ninja, find this story. And they all like it's just one big, one big vagina joke. It's just what it is. It's just a big vagina joke. <laughs> and there's a part where Shepard turns to Lauren and says, "Is your mouth watering, or is it just me?" <laughs> all the crack fantastic but I picked yeah I picked the scene I picked because I figured that Tony knew he couldn't go back too far but he wanted to go back I think he would want to go back far enough to try to help Bruce even though he ultimately failed at that um that that was I, I picked that for that particular reason yeah I mean that was probably uh, well if he had gone back any further He could have, yeah, I mean, it would have been very difficult. Yeah. A more rational decision would have probably been to come back um, closer to the whole, um, I don't know how rational it would have been for him to come back and to purposely pick a point for him to come back in time where, where he had the art reactor in his chest. Um, he suffered a lot of physical trauma, um, and I. Was, it could even be said that years later, that that physical trauma contributed to his death. Yeah, I mean, I've read more than one story where Tony has a heart attack eventually at a young age. I mean, not he, not that he dies, but you know, there have been people who played up, played up that that it was such a strain on his heart, everything that happened, that it eventually um, caused him to have a heart attack. Right. So, at no point did I just that I really seriously considered him going back in time to a place where he had the art reactor. So I I knew it was always going to be before Iron Man. 
before or even during the events of Iron Man. And I seriously considered that. Like it happening before he went overseas and then just him not going overseas. Um, but then I thought, you know, I think that he would want to go back and try to save Bruce. That seemed very realistic. Um, but if he could not control when he went back in time, and I I I picked a place to, to set him down um for um a in a more interesting um very unsubtle fuck you. I would probably pick post Avengers too. Yeah, between yeah. I mean, going back to I mean, you could even do some stuff that like with the snap that he did and he died with the gauntlet on his hand that he um wakes up in the past, you could do a time travel there. Um that'd be so harsh. I mean, it would be harsh. I'm not sure I could write him losing his baby like that. Because it was obvious he was the primary parent. Yeah. We already did a whole podcast on Jarvis time traveling. Um, well, again, that, that takes away his daughter. If Strange did it on the planet. I want to read the fic where the Infinity Stones have a crush on Tony. Is the pairing horrible? I got issues with the pairings. I really can't read Peter. I mean, I really can't read um, Pepper Tony. And I would never read Peter Tony if that exists. <laughs> it exists. Peter Quill Tony. Maybe. I mean, the Peter Parker thing exists. Oh, God. <sighs> Has it not crossed any of your motherfuckers' minds that Tony is actually old enough to be Peter Parker's grandfather? I'm just saying. Of course, you know, there's probably the same assholes who ship Voldemort with Harry Potter. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, somebody had wrecked one to me. I didn't I didn't read it, but it was um I didn't read it over the pairing, but they were giving me a they gave me a whole list of MCU wrecks and uh, I didn't there were several Tony Stark Peter Parker stories in there. Um and I said I I told him I said, Oh no, I don't read Tony this this pairing. And um and they said, oh, well, you might be able to read this one. And I said, why would I be able to read that one when I don't read this pairing? And she said it was because it was like, I guess, something about Peter grew up trapped in the Infinity Stones or something. I don't really remember. I don't know. Something happened. Where he was like 10 or 15 years older by the time he came back. But I was like, no, still. I mean, no. It, no. No. No, and fuck you for thinking of it. <laughs> and I don't. No. It was like somebody thought up a really convoluted plot device was the way I interpreted it to make a creepy, to try to make a creepy pairing less creepy, but it was still like, no. I mean, if I have a hard stop on a pairing, somebody making it less creepy is usually not going to be very effective. Like, it's, you know, it's like actually having someone try to explain to you how incest could be okay in certain circumstances. Yeah. No. I mean, I have to say, I did have a, um, I did have. talk me through it. Right. I had when I first started reading Teen Wolf, I had a hard stop on Peter Styles, but it was for a lot of reasons, not the least of which, and their age differences. Hmm, it, it's it's debatable <laughs> depending upon what part of canon it's in. Um, 
part of it was definitely age difference and that Styles was underage. Uh, but a lot more of it was just, I felt like Styles was ultimately a victim of Peters and that just kind of pushed my buttons. So the, my hard stop on the pairing was mostly around the abuse aspect that, you know, I have a hard time seeing somebody who's been tormented by somebody get together with their abuser. But anyway, um, even if Peter himself was a victim, it doesn't change the fact that he victimized those kids. So, so set that aside, but then there's a few human AUs out there where it's like completely different. I was like, well, that sounds interesting. So I feel like I want to give Morgan Stark a happy ending, but I'm not sure I have a whole novel of that in me. I just, it doesn't I have to like be a novel. It could be a short story. It would have to be a short story. Um, but the question becomes is what would be Morgan's happy ending? Um, because I mean, it's tempting to, it's, it's tempting to say, okay, well, I'll just take her to another dimension and give her to a different Tony Stark, except that Tony Stark wouldn't be her daddy. He'd be somebody with his face. who wasn't there when she was born. He wasn't there when she learned to walk. And it implies that 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 Tony Stark is repl replaceable. It's weird. I don't think it implies that, but I think it it's um, because replacing you with you is not saying you're replaceable. It actually, I think, would kind of say you're irreplaceable. But the only think, the only you will do. <laughs> but what I think it does say is that you know that any that any Tony Stark is her dad, and that's not true. Well, if you're going to write a story where Tony, where a new Tony Stark gets Morgan, you would, of course, write him in a place where he could look after her. So I wouldn't write a Tony that is ca incapable of looking after a child, getting a child. That would be kind of defeat the purpose. I wouldn't um, write a Tony Stark that would reject Morgan. Right. I mean, so, years. but, um, I mean, I think that obviously any Tony Stark potentially in the multiverse that's, it, that is potentially would read on paper as her biological father. It doesn't mean that any Tony Stark is her dad. So, but she's so young that I think she could build, certainly that he looks like her father and sounds like her father and talks like her father and all of that can help bridge the gap to building a new father-daughter relationship but it doesn't feel as good as her getting her dad right so you say in the chat room bring a tony who lost his morgan and a morgan who lost her daddy together no no i probably um, I, what i would probably do if i were in, in, on the outside it, 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 it seems okay but you're piling grief into your story and you need one of them and it has to be the adult in a very healthy place emotionally and mentally to be able to handle this child's grief. Because if this child has been put on a world with an alternate Tony, the only reason would be is because she's lost her other parent as well. Why else, why else would Pepper give her up? Also, it implies that every Tony and every Morgan act exactly the same. And the expectations that come from, well, what if this daddy doesn't act the way Morgan expects? Or what if Morgan doesn't act, you know, and I think especially for a, ch a father grieving his daughter, um, 
the expectation that she would be exactly like his Morgan is an ugly expectation. And that's what would happen. It's a realistic expectation, but it's ugly. But I think that I would do, um, if I wanted to do a fix for Tony, for Morgan getting her daddy, and I was going to do dimension hopping, I'd have a Tony from a different dimension come and, uh, and give that happy ending to, to that Tony and Morgan. Prevent him from putting the gauntlet on. Prevent him from doing the snap. Maybe he comes and does it. I don't know. I'd have I'd have somebody else come and 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 arrange the happy ending, and I think a Tony who's lost a lot would would be a good candidate for that. Um, who wants to give some universes Tony Stark a better ending? If I were to do a dimension hop as my my mechanism, um, if you want to do it like a genuine fix it, you could have the snap just not kill Tony. Whether it's because the Infinity Stones um, only damaged others because their purpose wasn't righteous. And that when Tony took the stones, they, they recognized the justice in him. That the choice he was going to make was, was, was just and um, honorable. And they allowed it without punishment. And he lives. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like a real. I mean, if it's a fix it for Morgan and Tony, and it'd be a very short story, as far as I'm concerned, because I'm just not particularly interested in a story where Tony winds up with Pepper, right? So, I mean, for me, I just would never explore the whole Morgan thing because there's just no outcome that I could write that would make me happy. The only outcome I think I could really live with on that subject is if Pepper dies, and then. They're like, what are we going to do with Morgan? And the realization that they really cannot leave. I mean, Rhodey's, you know, Rhodey decides, we can't, you can't. Because if Morgan is as smart as her daddy, and the implication is that she is, and she has all that Stark money, and there's no one there to take care of her, or watch out for her. She's got Happy, she's got Rhodey. And Peter's still a child. I mean, he's 16. He's not in a position to to be of any sort of... He can barely manage his own self. Um, so, you know, a situation like that where, where Morgan would only be safer in a world where where she wouldn't be seen as an asset. But as a again, method. But then again, you're back to her not being with her daddy, which I thought was what you were trying to avoid. Right, right. So, yeah. It's a thing. Because I really genuinely don't like Pepper. Why can't Pepper do the snap? <laughs> what if she got there first? I'm down with that. <laughs> Although, realistically, if the person who would should be physiologically capable of making the snap is uh, Captain Marvel. Or Peter Quill. I mean, two people who, are, who should be able to handle an Infinity Stone are those two. And handling and the snap isn't what killed Thanos. It was the destruction. Is it? I mean, that what isn't what hurt his hand? It was the destruction of the um, of the stones. Yeah, the stones fucked up the gauntlet, but they didn't fuck him up. Right. Um. So, Quill only handled the re the um the, the the stone that he handled because the rest of his team joined forces with him 
and distributed the power of the stone between them. But it still would have killed them if 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 Quill wasn't the son of a celestial. Right. But I don't think he could have done it on his own. And I'm not sure he could have been any he, more successful doing the snap than Zantoni was. I think he would have been because he Quill handled the raw Infinity Stone. He didn't put on a gauntlet. But I do have a question about Peter Quill. How did he... See, this is something that I think will probably come up in the third movie. Is um, I think basically his power as a celestial disappeared because he believed that asshole and that asshole said if you kill me you're going to lose it all I mean how does his death change Peter's fucking genetics it doesn't especially since Peter um, I think the only reason that any that they survived him handling even though it was all of them they dispersed the power between them even though handling the infinity stone by itself should have killed him should have killed all of them that was the whole point so I think you know I think that we're going to find out in the third movie that that or Peter's going to realize he still has his 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 powers. That yeah that it was basically that he got psyched out by that well, asshole. He had, he had barely learned to use his powers, right? right? I mean he he'd learned to toss a ball of light around. That was all that he had pretty much learned to do. Um but conceivably so, since both he he's the son of a celestial and Captain Marvel has been significantly altered by significantly altered by um, the Tesseract. Conceivably, either of them should have been able to put on the gauntlet and do the snap without killing themselves. Or, you know, um, Captain America could have redeemed himself and, and done it. Or he could have done that. Or really, anybody, I think anybody who potentially was enhanced, like actually enhanced, might have been able to handle the power of that doing that snap. But Tony Stark was, I mean, he's like one of the few members of the team who isn't enhanced at all. Even though there's speculation that he gave himself extremists, that actually there isn't actually anything in canon that substantiates that. Though I think if he had had extremists, I think he might have had a better chance of surviving the snap. There's nothing happy about Steve Rogers' ending. It is insidious and ugly. It is, oh, it is so disgusting. And you know what's worse? Is those assholes' assumptions that we would be happy with it. That we would just swallow it hook, line, and sinker and not have a problem with it. What? You know, you can like, okay, you know, you can make a lot of excuses, but the one thing you cannot and this is characterization, this is pure characterization. How did Steve Rogers sit back, lurk around the entire MCU, and not even try once to rescue Bucky Barnes? Not when he was with the Red Room, and not when he became an asset for Hydra. And he even knew exactly where the Winter Soldier was going to be on one day. Even if he had to wait that long because he couldn't find him. He just still found him the day that Howard Stark and Maria Stark were murdered by the Winter Soldier. Even if he had to wait that long. He didn't know exactly where the Winter Soldier was going to be on that day. And yet. Nothing. Good night. Lady Holder, sleep well. He. How the fuck could he be in another alternate timeline when he's sitting there on the goddamn bench at the end of the movie? What the fuck ever? Russo's are stupid. <laughs> I'm just 
<laughs> they broke their own concept of time travel. They're, not that their time, concept of time travel ever made any sense. When they, when they did the concept, when they did the layout shading for the time travel thing in the theater, more than one person said bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? No. <laughs> I don't buy that for a fucking minute. So, I think what we've come to is that the characters who are in the most dire need of delivering the unsubtle fuck you to people are often the ones least likely to do it. Now, I see people write, I see people write these characters as delivering an unsubtle fuck you on a regular basis, and it always... Not always, but the, I would say 99% of the time, especially with Tony Dinozo, it I just kind of go. <sighs> I think it's because they go too far and they, they do. And they, they, they cross the line. And we talked, we did a podcast once about the, the, the line that you cross when your character stops being powerful and turns into an abusive asshole. Mm-hmm. And NCIS writers cross that line all the time. Because Tony stops being a person um, with um, with, and he he stops being the strong character who's saying no, I'm not going to tolerate this, and then he turns into an abusive jackass, and it's really difficult to look at. Yeah, because you don't want your character to be viewed as an abuser. And that so often happens in the NCIS fandom. Tony's throwing shit around the bullpen. He's crying and he's cussing people out and calling them whores. And you're sitting there going, "What in the world is going on? Is this how adults behave?" No, it actually it really isn't how adults behave. And what they would immediately do is like get him counseling and take his badge away, right? They don't let you go out that, with a loaded firearm a when you're that unstable. That's a career ender. Which, if that's what you're doing, if that's what you're writing, is that Tony gets pushed so far that he has a complete collapse and his career is over as a result of his breakdown? Okay, go for it. But that's usually not what people are writing. As a matter of fact, it's almost never what they're writing. One of the more interesting things I ever saw is that Tony comes into the... Um, and he downloads all this information from NCIS, um, all these operations that he didn't agree with, and some of it was classified, and then he sends it all to a Reporter. Yeah. And then quits and leaves. Because that's how that would go. That's not how that would go. He would end up in jail. Because that's treason. You can't just. Just because you're mad. No, he, didn't, he didn't get arrested. He went off into the sunset. Um, so I'm like. You, you didn't label this fantasy. You've. You've. <laughs> You failed in the basic suspension of disbelief, and my disbelief is lying on the floor. So you can't create a situation where your character, where you you can't destroy your character in and your so, efforts to avenge your character because it's just bad writing. Yeah, and so sometimes people in their their desire to give that unsubtle fuck you, which is what we're talking about, they they go too far and the going too far results in shenanigans like Tony committing treason and the author just being somehow oblivious to the fact that that's what happened. Uh, someone just DM me. 
isn't that story impetus? No, <laughs> no, no, she's not talking about <laughs> number one. Julie wouldn't write shit like that. And number two, I wouldn't talk shit on my podcast about <laughs> Julie's shit while she's actually my co-host. <laughs> she wouldn't even do some- it. She wouldn't even do it. I don't think when I'm not on the radio. <laughs> I have some fucking class over here. I'm a no, classy bitch. Tony did download some information before he left. He, what he downloaded before he left NCIS and Impetus um, was um, the recording so that he would have proof of what had actually been said in the car in the event that he ever needed it. And he and I actually he acknowledges in, in the thing, as I recall, I think he even acknowledges um, to himself that he shouldn't have they wasn't supposed to take it, but he was doing it to cover his own ass. Um, but he didn't give it to anybody. No, I don't talk shit about people by name because um, that's how fandom wars get started. And um, I just don't have the energy to be involved in that dumbass shit. I don't need a flame war. Yeah, but Tony doesn't turn anything over to a reporter in Impetus. That, that doesn't happen. So no, that's not. So you're thinking of something else. If you were, if you, whoever the person who sent me that, if, if you are thinking of if that sounds familiar, um, you probably read the story. And I wasn't even actually talking about one in story in particular. I've seen it more than once. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, oh my god! Please don't bring that. Don't give that asshole more views. <laughs> On YouTube. No one go look for it. Oh my god. It's Li- stupid. It's <laughs> the, oh, the house elf. <laughs> you life ruiner. <laughs> the house elf thing is just. It's the most. <laughs> it's that, the most. It's the worst. That dude is extra as fuck. I have to say. <laughs> In in their defense, the Yahoo group isn't actually designed just to bitch about me. (laughs) It does have another purpose. (laughs) It's just like a hobby. I'm a hobby. I'm bitching about me is is their hobby, not their genuine, like their general purpose for existing. They just they what happens? They cycle back to her periodically. Is what happens. Is every time, every time, basically, what happens every time she tells one of them no about something when they didn't want to be told no, the big babies, um, like you know, could you unban me after I behaved? I know I behaved badly on your site before, but I really want to read your fit. Could you unban me? And she's like, no. And they go on to this Yahoo group and the bitch about me and call forth all the other trolls who like to bitch about her. So it's a thing. It's a thing. But but the YouTube video is. The YouTube video is, yeah, it is kind of extra, I have to say. <laughs> it's really extra. I mean, it's like, really, dude? Really? He put it up after I um, I blocked him on Facebook. Because he told me that... Really? Um, that was the, that was what it was? We, were, we, we had an argument because he said that... Um, that male victims of rape suffered more than female victims of rape and therefore deserve more sympathy or something like that. And I got really furious with him and I blocked him. And then he got on YouTube and um, 
tell everybody I broke his heart. Because <laughs> <laughs> I made the house elf that was a boy in... Okay, in the birth of the Serpent King. Oh, Harry the ugly, that's right. The ugly Harry, house elf. Harry inadvertently adopts a baby house elf. And he thinks it's ugly. Right? And it's a boy house elf. So, in Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, there is a baby house elf. And it's Winky's baby. And Harry thinks she's beautiful. And it's a female. Um, um, Harry names her Sunshine. Or suggests the name Sunshine. And, and Winky agrees. Um, the thing is, is that it's about perception. Those, house, those baby house elf looks exactly the same. But the Harry Potter in versus the Serpent King doesn't have the same emotional maturity to see the magical beauty of the of the house elf he's been given in Birth of the Serpent King. So they basically look the same. <laughs> These two house elves. But the Harry Potter and Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, he's he's a different life. And he um, has a different relationship with magic. And when he sees sunshine and holds sunshine, all he really sees is um, the the beauty of her magic. So it's not it's not about their their physical appearance. But I guess that's a little too deep for the guy on YouTube. So I guess you got called. He thought you like a mis, you know, misandrist or misandrist or whatever you pronounce. Yeah, that. yeah, um, man be, Because because you made a um a the because based on two sample points, right? So the the cute house elf was female, and the ugly house elf was male, and therefore it's a sign of um misandry. I mean, come on. When in all honestly, house elves aren't cute. <laughs> <laughs> no, no house at all. Cute, <laughs> but Harry has a different um, perspective in um, Harry Potter and Soulmate Bomb because of his relationship with magic. There's actually a scene um, that I cut where he talks about the the wild magic that elves have and um, his relationship with the house elves he's bonded with because of it, um, and um, how he you know, how that magic is different in the baby because she's new and young. And um, it, so, it you know. But the thing is, is that even if you wrote it, even if you actually wrote that Harry thought one of them was cute and one of them was ugly, and it's, it's two different Harrys, okay? But let's say you even did write it that way, right? That, that these two identical house elves and he thought one was cute, one was, or maybe they weren't identical. Maybe the female really was cute and the male really wasn't. Um, a sample size of two is not enough for any kind of statistical information. You can't draw a conclusion based upon that. She would have to write like 10 female house elves is cute and all 10 male house elves is ugly for there to be any kind of conclusion you could draw from that. So it's just, and even then it would just be that maybe I don't want male house elves. I don't know how male house elves equals human me hating human men. Oh wait, that's just because I blocked his ass. Yeah. It's just, it was just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> that's right. Queenie. I'm I mean, a cock worshiping cult. <laughs> I'm her friend despite that. 
it's just it was just it's just such a i mean like oh, seriously every time it comes up i just all i can do is like roll my eyes about that idiot it's Especially, so extra i don't even know what to do with it i just i don't we got the camera all up in his face to make it really clear that i've got him so distraught I mean, didn't he say something like you ruined his life or something or or broke your heart? I broke or his heart. I broke, broke his heart. heart. Yeah. yeah, what the fuck ever. I mean Okay. I don't know what he expected. But people get really wrapped around the axle over sometimes really dumb stuff. Like really, really dumb stuff. Um you know, I mean, somebody did at one point accuse me of misogyny for not having, and we've talked about this before, female, any female OCs in some of my stories, and it's not misogyny. So I did, I did take exception to it being characterized as misogyny, but um, I also did look at why I was making the choices I was making, and I addressed it because it wasn't misogynistic. It was just fucking fandom. But, you know, she really got it, you know, her knickers in a knot and deciding that I must be a misogynist because I didn't write any female original characters. All my original characters were male, which is an interesting conclusion to draw, quite frankly, but whatever. Well, I'm a misogynist because of Tangled Destinies. <laughs> I know, because they moved without consulting Amanda. How dare you, you beast. Except that's not even true. Uh, that's just what she tells Spock. And I don't know how to deal with writers, I mean, with, with readers who don't understand that there are moments that take place between characters that are not on screen. That these characters exist in a full world. So, like, for instance, even though you never see any of my characters piss, they all do it. <laughs> <laughs> no oh my god oh my god <laughs> are you they kidding eat me? three meals a day and most of the time they sleep every night they they, they, they shit they brush they their piss. teeth they, they brush their teeth oh my god <laughs> i can't all these things happen off screen i can't but a lot this. of readers are so literal minded in such a weird way that you can't make reference to something that takes place off screen without them losing their minds. They don't get it. They don't understand where it went or where it come from. Why well, I haven't read that. Well, how, 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 how could you write something that I haven't read? How can you be this illiterate? No, Rodney McKay does not take breaks. <laughs> that doesn't happen. No, of course not. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't eat. It, it is. It is actually my headcanon that Sarek told Amanda that that they should move to Earth because uh, because Spock was uncomfortable. Actually, that that Spock um, was emotionally distressed by her distress. <laughs> because Amanda was trying to get Spock to talk to her. And so she was deploying. She's doing what a mom does. But this person who read this only read that, read up to that scene, decided that I was a misogynist and closed it. And then six or seven months later, gets on a fucking site about Stargate and tells somebody to be careful about reading Sentinels of Atlantis because I'm a misogynist. 
People are such assholes. <laughs> Just like, really? They need to worry about their own bathroom habits, not about the bathroom habits of fictional characters. But more to the point, even if I had written it that way, it wouldn't have been out of character. Because in canon, when we finally meet Amanda Grayson, she has not spoken to her own son in more than a decade because Sarek was mad at him. So Sarek made all of the decisions in their relationship. And that's canon. People hate it when you use canon. First time I got massively pissed off at the NCIS fandom was over somebody telling me I couldn't use canon. For what the fuck? What? <laughs> what the fuck? Was this a dead air thing? Yes, 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 it was. Somebody said that somebody wrote me really angry about the story and said that Tim and Ziva wouldn't do that. Except and like, Tim and Ziva did that shit in canon. I'm like, that's canon, you fucking idiot. Oh, well, they didn't mean it. Oh. That was my first major temper tantrum. Um, <laughs> coming back into fandom, I was like, what do you mean they can't? Are you trying really trying to tell me I can't use canon? How dare you? Did you send them my fuck you page? Because it was made just for that situation. Really, was it? Yeah, this it really was. was. This was really early on in, in fandom for me. So I was like, well. Just that kind of situation. That's just what that page is for. I don't even think I had a book. I don't think I had it even bookmarked back then. This is fanfic yeah, based yeah. on canon. But we, um, it's just ridiculous. It is It is absolutely ridiculous. But then sometimes you'll throw a canon fact in and people are like, oh, that's so interesting and unique. No, that's canon. Like, there is a thing about the Hogwarts Express. And I forget which series it was in, but um, Harry was talking about not riding the Hogwarts Express to school and Sirius telling him or somebody telling him he had to because it was a law that um, the ministry passed a law that all students returning to Cogwarts have to use the train. And a reader responds and responded and mentioned that specifically as it being a unique thing in my fic that they really enjoyed that explanation. And I was like, well, actually, that's canon. Um, they did it. Uh, it's it's listed in um it was in Pottermore. It's also on the Harry Potter wiki that the train was actually stolen from muggles and purebloods didn't want to put their kids on the train. And so to make them do it, the ministry passed a law making it required for all students returning to Hogwarts to get on the fucking Hogwarts Express. <laughs> and I'm like, so she only, the only thing that she mentioned that she specifically liked in my fic was canon. How am I supposed to take that? <laughs> yeah. What plot drift serious giving an unsubtle fuck you? Um, I, you know, I think what would be a really unsubtle fuck you for Sirius Black is that when he's on that hippogriff flying off into the sunset, instead of doing whatever Dumbledore wanted him to do, Instead of going off to that tropical island to recuperate, he takes his ass to Rome and turns himself over to the ICW. I can prove my innocence. I will take a magical vow. I will use uh, Veritas Serum, whatever. Just 
somebody asked me, somebody interrogate me, pl- keep showing up there going, will somebody please interrogate me? That'd be awesome. When Ron and Harry missed the train, it didn't dismiss them from Hogwarts, but they did literally break the law. Did they or did their parents? Hmm. It could be the parents. But then I guess with the flying car situation, that the the, the fact that Harry and Ron weren't on the train seemed to be less of an issue. So I think an unsolved fuck you would be, you know, saying seriously, you know what? Dumbledore actually could fucking give me a trial if he wanted to, but he obviously doesn't. And since he's in Britain right now, he's not in a position to fuck things up for me in Rome. So I'm going to Rome. Or I'm going to France. I'm going to turn myself over to the, the authorities in France. He's turned himself over to somebody who will treat him like a human being and make sure he gets a trial. And then totally fuck Dumbledore three ways from Sunday. Not really, because... Ew. Not somebody, physically. Somebody will name that ship. Do not give them ideas. <laughs> like, like it could get any worse than Snapledore. <laughs> Albius? Well, the fact of the matter is, is it wouldn't matter if they had an extradition treaty with the country or not, because Sirius Black was never convicted of a crime. Which is the exact argument that I have um, Arcturus Black using in, <laughs> in, um... I don't even want to know what MAPE is. I mean, I do. I do want to know, but I also don't want to know. <laughs> I mean, I just think it would be, you know, I mean, there, there are other unsubtle fuck yous, um, like Sirius breaking out of jail before Harry even goes. Oh my god, Molly Snape. <laughs> Why didn't I get that? I just, I just totally obliterated that from my brain. I thought you were in the corner. <laughs> um, but Sirius breaking out of jail before Harry Potter goes to, um, Hogwarts and getting his trial. So, uh, <sighs> why are they being so terrible to me? Why are they talking about such disgusting, terrible things in my chat room? First, it was first it was Snape and Molly, and now it's Peter and Molly. Well, Peter, like, several people have written Peter and Molly. Um, yeah, because that like Peter is actually the father of Ron. Yeah, um, but they do it because. They know it's going to get a reaction from you, and also because you threw down <laughs> the gauntlet, you threw down the gauntlet and said that nothing could be worse than Snapledore. Well, nothing is worse than Snapledore. None of these things are actually worse than Snapledore. I actually think serious Dumbledore would be worse in terms of sheer nausea. Go get in the corner. <laughs> I'm just saying. You could even call it Albius. <laughs> I'll be sick of it. It's what I'll be. God. (laughs) That's creepy. That's that's actually more creepy than it is disgusting. Because the only reason he would be with her is because of her resemblance to Lily. Which is gross. That's that's horrifying. Okay. So. Um. I gotta go to the bathroom. So I'm gonna hang up soon. But um 
are at the end of the first, officially at the end of the first um, rough trade challenge. I'm well, I'm having trouble with word, ret word retrieval. We're at the end of the first rough trade challenge, and the next one starts on the 16th, right? So we have a day off. Yeah. And my book comes and out. And today is your release day. Yes, I think yeah. my book comes out tomorrow, today. I mean, it's already the 15th where you are. It's not where I am. Yeah. But um, so look for that. I will send an email out when it's actually up on my publisher's website because uh, they publish usually more towards the afternoon. But we shall see when it's there. But as soon as I know it's there, you guys will get an email. I'm very excited. Yay. I mean, I've already read it, but I'm excited anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying. When did July become the new January? Because uh, I got the fuck all done. You know, it, it was actually like pulling teeth to get my story out of my of my brain. But I did finish earlier in the evening. Congratulations. I, I just... It's not I, what I plotted, but it's what I got. <laughs> I What I posted, I that part of it was written more than a week ago. And um, the next part, the part that came after that, I was so... I, I mean, if I were a dragon, it, I would have set it on fire. <laughs> so it was, it was just such a hot... I was like, I hate this. I hate this. And so I was so stuck on, I hate this. I just couldn't get past it. Um, so um, I was like, I got to post something before the end of the challenge period. So I'm going to post up to the point that I was happy with, or I felt tolerable about <laughs> got it up. But man, it was, it was like pulling teeth. It was just, this month has been, I don't know why I picked two action movies to rewrite the ending of when I can't write action. Yes. Michael Behan might have played a part. Well, probably it's also partially because a lot of the movies you write, watch, aren't they? Most of the movies, like, well, the movies we talk about and stuff are a lot action movies. And we don't right. tend, we don't tend to like. When was the last time we talked about a rom com? On, I don't actually enjoy rom coms, so I don't, I don't either. So, um, I do watch comedies on occasion, but I don't, I can't imagine wanting to rewrite the ending of one because I don't consider myself a comedic writer. So it is most definitely not my happy place to write action. I mean, it is, it takes a lot out of me um, to, um, I'm trying to think of a movie that I, that I would want to rewrite. that's not an action film. And, um, they give me confused with Noah. <laughs> Very adaptable. Um, I don't like to be embarrassed. And I don't like to see anybody else be embarrassed either, which is why I don't like to watch Adam Sandler movies as a rule. Although I really did enjoy The Wedding Singer Against My Will. Um, I'm pondering here. Um, I mean, I would probably want to change the ending of every single Nicholas Sparks movie ever made. Uh, yeah, but I just am not that invested in those movies. I don't right them. exactly. I, but I mean, who? I mean, I've been traumatized by City of Angels, um, Message in a Bottle, Knights and Knights and Rohan or Rehan or the one with um, Richard Gere in it. Really good movie. I did not know 
it was a, a Nicholas Sparks movie until, of course, his son showed up at her door to tell him to tell her that his daddy was dead. And I was like, "Fuck you, Nicholas Sparks!" That's when I realized it had to be a Nicholas Sparks movie because because ah, yeah. I agree that I would love to see the end of the, the Last Smokings have a different end, but honestly, I don't think many people could write that in a way that would be convincing. No. The last of the Mohicans is beautiful. Yeah. And the ending when she follows him off that uh, Yeah, I mean that's what I would want to change, but I want to change the, the those two dying, but I just I'm just not going to the it's not going to come out right and I would just be super judgmental of my own writing. I'd be like, uh, 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 uh. the construction was such that it would be difficult to change the ending. I, yeah, th that is that that is what I was trying to get out. Dark. It's just it's not. I don't know how they get there without that. Yeah. Although you know, honestly, that movie produced one of the most intensely romantic scenes for me when I was young. I was like, I was all in when he told her to survive because he would find her. You know, to endure whatever she had to endure because he would he would find her. I was like, that is so fucking romantic. <laughs> I have to, I have to say them repeating that in it was I was good with it until they basically ripped it off in that stupid Mission Impossible movie where he basically line for line did the, the that that scene where he's about to jump off that building, and I was like. And my eyes were just rolling. I was like, this is so fucking stupid. Because, no. No, 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 no. It was just, it, it was almost like they made a mockery of that movie. I don't I don't think that was their intention. But it was just, I was like, it, it felt like a mockery of that scene. And I really hated it. Um, nothing is more, nothing is more romantic than Lady Hawk. But when I was, I... It, Daniel Day-Lewis really kind of stole my heart when I was 15. <laughs> yeah, there's some movies that I think are... If I think a movie is exceptional, I'm probably not going to want to change the ending of it. Like The only reason... like I do think Aliens is exceptional. The only reason why I would want to change the ending of it is not because of anything that happened actually in Aliens. It's because but of Aliens in Alien 3. 3. Yes, it's because actually Aliens has a fucking excellent ending. Yes. Ripley is a badass. She kicks ass. Um, she takes names. She gets her kid, her man, and her robot off the planet. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to work out great. Then she kicks the queen's ass, and kicks her off the ship. It, it should have been perfect. That should have been perfect. I mean, Aliens is probably, it's definitely one of the best sci-fi movies of all times. I would say the best. It's usually in spot one or two, but to me it's spot one. And it is... Um, one of the best action movies of all time and probably just one of the generally to me one of the best movies ever made but the problem has never been with that movie it's always been what you find out when you watch the third movie he left too much open at the end and yeah. i think i mean even he said he regretted that because he had left ripley in an awesome place he'd given her a new family he gave her a kid and the person who came after him fucked it mm -hmm. so I mean, that's not typically, so typically movies I really enjoy or that I think are really well done are not typically the ones I'm going to want to tweak the ending on. Um, it doesn't mean I can, could see a possible um, different ending, but um, I'm actually finding that 
mostly it's action movies. Honestly, mostly it's action movies are the ones where I'm more invested in changing the ending. One of the things, one of the things that's bothered me coming in when I came in to plot my um my my second RT is I've actually already written <laughs> how I would have preferred the aliens to end <laughs> in a short for the big short on my site um, where Ellen checks the ship for eggs and she ejects that drop ship from the ship so that the queen couldn't have left anything behind and they are going to wake up early and escape. So that's the ending that I thought solved all my issues that it made movie three impossible in my mind. So I've already done that. And yet I picked it again for RT. Yeah. Well, after doing, um, starting this whole, the whole Hobbit thing, I actually liked the idea of, I like the idea I had for the Hobbit thing. I'm having a hard time with it not coming out just obnoxiously cracky. Um, but whatever, that's a whole separate issue. Uh, but well, mostly, you are going to have Bilbo playing a dragon. Well, and there is actually something inherently cracky about Cabbage Patch Babies, anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I decided to go the all Cabbage in on Patch it. Baby Dragon is hilarious. Well, I decided to go all in on it too and plant it with a cabbage. <laughs> so, um, just go all in. It would be fun. Go all in. That dragon's going to come out of a cabbage. <laughs> so, <laughs> is she gonna think Bill? Is she gonna think Bill? Bill uh, Bilbo was her mom because that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> she's definitely she's she's definitely gonna have a um um an affinity for Bilbo, but she's just gonna have some interesting affinities, as it were. Um, but. I just, it, it, that was more to prevent a bunch of stuff or to try to in, insert. I picked that spot because it was an opportunity to prevent some things from happening. And um, also because at, at the point that the Battle of the Five Armies would occur, Smog is, Smog or Smog or however you pronounce that, is somewhat of an ally. And so he's just going to burn out the orc army that's coming for them. He's just going to take care of it. Because they're going to threaten the existence of this dragon, right? This unborn dragon. So, um, so it allowed me to solve some plot problems, like a lot of problems I had. But that's how I was going to save the Durans, right? It's not, that whole battle's not even going to happen. So, but on the other hand, on the other hand, I had decided I was going to write, you know, it from two points of view, and I'm really just struggling with Thorne's point of view. <sighs> I should have just. I she's not still crazy. He's not crazy yet. Uh, not crazy yet. He's That's crazy thorn. Uh. We need to understand. He's gonna. I mean, it's still going down that path. But the thing is, I was just getting so bogged down, and the dwarf's disbelief, and and all of their, um, all of that. That it just, it was just, it was just dragging me down. And I just, I deleted all of that. I was like, I'm just going to stick in Bilbo's point of view, and that's just the way it's going to be. So, um. But I should have just, from from an ease of writing perspective, um, I should have just um, stuck to Marvel movies because I'm willing. To, I, I have all of them. I'd like to rewrite the ending of. What's your second one? Age of Ultron. Oh, well, good. <laughs> then, then you're gonna find your happy place in two days. Yeah. <laughs> 
if you can find a happy place in the age of Ultron. Well, my happy place is that when they tell Tony they want him to want to bring Wanda back with them to be an Avenger, he says no. I don't think so. Yeah, that's not gonna that's not gonna fly, baby. I don't think so. So, but the, just the first half of this month, the writing was. Um, yeah, because funnily enough, I really don't have any interest in being around someone who mind raped me. Yeah. So, I don't know why he, I mean, he owns all the properties. That's the thing that kills me, is he owns all of the properties that they could potentially do anything in. So, why in the world would he feel like he needed to say yes to that? Clint going all paternal on Wanda, the only thing that makes sense about that is if she was mind-fucking him. Yeah, exactly, Dark. It's magic. Because he, there's no way that Clint, of all people, would be tolerant of a mind rapist. It doesn't make any sense character-wise. No. Hell, one of the best parts of um, Age of Ultron is when he <laughs> uses an electric error on her forehead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bathroom for me, so I'm going to hang up now. Um, okay. Well, let's end the podcast and because I have to pee. <laughs> let, me, let me find Greg. Hold on. Okay. We hope you guys have a fantastic week and be looking for Julie's email for her um, her announcement on her site for her book. So say good night, Julie. Good night, all. <laughs>